rounds with. He's not pulling the trigger anymore. He doesn't. He he doesn't make you miss and hit you back. He makes you miss, stays there. He makes you miss and stays there. He makes you miss and stays there. And then when he thinks it's time to hit you, he puts together some kicks and some combos and comes after you. You know what I'm saying? Back foot on the cage, right away. Right away, he's going back. He's going back, and that's that's just the wrong way to start. I mean, that's how it started for Whitaker too. Better, better save this. <laughs> What's that? So that's how it started for Whitaker too, and uh, yeah, everyone. Right, ever, and he wrong, and he he wrong Whitaker's bell. Anderson can't take it. Anderson yeah. can't take it, and he's. I'm telling you, he's going. He's going to wrestling mode anyway. It's going to be punch, chest to chest takedown. He's, you know. I'm, we're going to talk about this on the show, but people are acting like, you know, putting so much emphasis on a game plan for him, acting like he hasn't been trying to wrestle his past couple times. I mean, he, he tried to take down Whitaker. It didn't work. So he had no choice but to stand. And every single fight, he's been punching into the clinch. So it's not like he hasn't been trying to wrestle. It's just that's how he fights. He fights with his chin up in the but air you know and his it. chin down. Like, there's no, like, correcting that. That's how he fights. That's Derek Brunson's fighting style. That's true, but you now you're talking you're talking about every time that he he is selling out to land those punches before any of that happens. What if it's a wrestling first game plan? What if it's the Larkin game plan? I mean, if you go back and you watch the Larkin fight, Larkin absolutely lit up Derek Brunson on the feet. It's just he was too weak to stuff the takedowns. I mean, I believe a dude like right. Anderson who's been fighting wrestlers his entire career and and beating them. He can create that separation, especially in the clinch, you know, with those knees to the body that a lot of people haven't been doing against a guy like Brunson. But, there, you know, there's always the chance but that you're, Anderson's super old, so maybe he gets caught once and goes You're down. talking about, yeah. You're talking about a guy who doesn't exist anymore. But if he doesn't, well, I'm not even he, talking about prime Anderson. I'm just talking about a good striker can capitalize on a guy that fucking leaves his chin hanging in the air and his hands down. Like, that. that's the reason we've been looking to fade Brunson every single fight, because he does that shit. Yeah. And the guy has the guy is fighting has to pull the trigger. So the thing with Anderson and is Anderson doesn't. There's different levels of being far gone. You know, there's the BJ Penn where the guy is legit far gone, like to where you know you you hit him once and the fight's over. You know, there's the Ronda Rousey. You hit her once, and the fight's over. With Anderson, I mean, his last two fights he went the distance with two champs in two different weight classes, and you know what I mean. And one of them was on fucking two days short notice against DC. So what that Look, told me was that, firstly, he hurt DC with the liver kick, and secondly, you know, it's not like DC was pa passing the full mount or anything, and DC is an Olympic wrestler. Brunson's like fucking D2 or some shit. Right, he just stayed on top for the whole fight. But it was a two-day short notice out of shape, and he still was competitive. Well, not competitive, but you know what I mean. He didn't get, like, fucking crushed. Uh, he, didn't, he certainly wasn't. It wasn't like BJ Penn versus Yair. <laughs> it wasn't like BJ Penn versus Yair, where it was like, you know. No, he didn't get stopped, but it, it was the opposite of competitive. It was awful. And then the, he just laid there. the Bisbing fight, even though we both bet on Bisbing to beat Anderson Silva, because it was, like, plus 250, like... Uh, that's a different spot than this, and he still fought well there. You know, one could make the argument that he knocked him out in the third round, and that, and then also you can make the argument that he won the decision, even though I personally scored it for Bisbee. Look, Anderson Silva used to go, be able to go right, fade right, and lean right with no hands protecting his face. Uh, Chris Wyman ruined that. 
uh, he has been caught with that same thing since. Uh, Weidman hit him again with it. Uh, Bisping dropped him with it. Um, but all those guys uh, are way better than Derek Cormier Brunson. hit him with it. All these guys are much just, higher level than Brunson. They hand-picked Brunson because he's the easiest opponent in the top 10 for Anderson. I mean, if you look at the top 10, the only guy that, you know, Anderson has a legit shot against, in my opinion, is a guy like Brunson, unless Luke Rockhold decided to test his stand-up with Anderson. But you, you think that if Anderson steps back and fades right and Brunson steps with him and throws a wide left that it doesn't land? I mean, because, could, I mean we've, could seen, land. we've seen it a lot. Does a that lot, mean it's guaranteed to put him down? Uh, yeah, I think so, yes. He's only been knocked out one time. Like, Let's not act like you know it's like fucking Keith Jardine that gets knocked out every single fight or Chuck Liddell towards the end of his he, career. Like Anderson, it's he's only been knocked out one time. He, Derek, Brunson, you, Derek Brunson if, has been knocked out if, more times than Anderson Silva, Sean. If Bisping drops you with the left hook, Brunson is dro- is knocking you out with the left hook. <laughs> we'll see. I mean, Bisping, Bisping is a lot more accurate than Brunson, but you know there is that chance. Obviously, it's yeah. It doesn't it doesn't take accuracy anymore because this guy still thinks he can put Roy Jones' head movement on you. He just doesn't have it anymore, and he never learned actual defense. You know what I'm saying? We talked about this in the for the Bismick fight. It's the it's only reflexes with this guy. The reflexes are gone. I'm He's not still debating, awesome. I'm he not can debating still firepower. That. He can still body kick you. He can still jump knee you. Any of that shit can happen. Any of that shit can happen. But I'm saying when it comes down to when somebody puts the pressure on him and gets in his face, he only has that one thing. He doesn't do anything. <laughs> he doesn't do anything. He backs up to the cage and doesn't throw back. I mean, you know that's true. Of course, but I feel like in this specific fight, this is the kind of dude that he can put away. Because, I mean, Brunson's leaving that chin straight up. His hands are down, and also he gasses out hard, man. I mean, you know what I mean? Like, go watch that Whitaker fight again. Like, that really, it really went down like that. And for people to say, oh, now he's going to come out smarter. I mean, he fights like that every We're fight, We're totally, wait, wait, we got to stop. We're totally wasting this. We've that, done the whole fight now. No, it's recorded, everything we said here. Don't worry. That doesn't work. <laughs> you should put it at the beginning of the show as a fucking, like, you know, pre-intro uh, banter. <laughs> Behind the scenes. Yeah, exactly. Live and exclusive, but uh, sa- safe to say I won that argument, right, Sean? <laughs> no, <laughs> we'll find out who won the argument on Saturday. <laughs> but anyways, I was about to grab a water, so uh, give me a second. You know that Bilal Muhammad fight, dude? It's a lot closer than I thought. Like, like goes. Bilal- he's gonna slide inside. He he's gonna slide inside and hit him, man. Bilal's he actually better. It's just, man. Uh, Vicente is a different story than than Randy Brown, you know. Yeah, the dude, it, it, he's gonna give Bilal a chance to 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 relax and do what he wants to do, which is come forward and look pretty, right? He can come forward and look pretty on, on Randy Brown. Alvarez versus McGregor's on TV. Jesus, uh, McGregor absolutely massacred him, dude. Yeah, that's fun though. Like, he made Alvarez look like an amateur. 
Yeah, that was not good. You think Alvarez will be the same? Oh, I don't know. There's been a couple times where I didn't think he was going to be the same, and he got better. But, I mean, you can't do that forever. You know what I'm saying? Like, one of the times that I'm like, ooh, you're not coming back from that, uh, you're not going to come back from that. That's, but this that's, one is on a whole other level. 100%. What's that? I said this one was on a whole other level. Yeah, exactly. Like, there's, and that was the, that was your title. Now what? You know what I mean? So, if anyone is going to be the one, it'll be this one. But if that, if that Nate fight actually happens, I'm still going to have a hard time picking against him. If it's at 55, I got Connor. If it's at 70, it's up for debate, in my opinion. No, no, Nate, Nate versus Eddie. Oh, Nate versus Eddie. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Five round fight, I'd have to go with Nate. Three round fight. You know, it's one of those things where you know how it goes with the Diaz brothers. They don't play the game. You can take them down, and if you're good enough not to get tapped out, you can, you know, win that boring-ass decision. But if Eddie yeah, actually comes you know to that fight, if he comes to fight, he's going to lose. Well, you know that motherfucker can't get off the cage or or stop a takedown, though. Yeah. It was so great when he judo Mike, through a great manner, though. That was fucking sick. Yeah. Mike, Mike get... Uh, dog odds on Eddie too. Dude, I, I I'm not sure if he'd even take the fight, man. Like the dude's sitting on a like five mil, you know? It seems like he doesn't want to, but I mean he's gonna wait forever for Connor. Go ahead. You're waiting your career away. Yeah, I don't know if he really cares. Not a not a smart move. But then again Tom He might not cheese. care, but there when he's when he's thirty seven and he's broke, he's gonna fucking care. He's gonna come back. It's kinda like a... Like DC saying, everybody. DC saying he's gonna stand and bang with Rumble. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like people are sure. people actually buying that. You know what I mean? They're like, well, is he really gonna do it? It's like, dude. Like, no. <laughs> <laughs> of course no, not. he's not. So in that fight, I mean, isn't that the only fight where you should ever play one guy by KO and the other guy by sub? Because I mean, is there another outcome? Like, is it gonna go the distance? You know what I mean? Like No, that's that's the way to do it. Just like you you taking one forty on on uh Anderson is fucking nuts. You've gotta take the KO, dude. You can't just take him straight. There's not enough value in one forty. And if he wins, you know it's only one way. If that goes three rounds, it's because he's on his back and you know that shit. You can't you can't take the one forty on him. Well, most likely that's true, but I mean the fact that my guy's the dog already, I, I don't feel the need to fuck around with props like you know, what if, what if he somehow, what if he somehow so taps him out? What if he somehow taps him out? You know what I mean? Like the dudes finish plenty of dudes with submissions. No, you play inside the di- you play inside the distance. You don't play fucking one or the other. Yeah, but then then let's say he he drops him or something and wins a close decision like a Corey Anderson versus Shogun type decision. Like then I'm gonna feel like a dumbass when I could have just taken the fucking dog odds and and cashed out. So. Anderson doesn't. Anderson won't finish if he drop runs him. Come on, you're overthinking this. <laughs> you know what he does. Well, you hey, real he quick, does. real quick. If he hurts Sean. you, he's coffin nailing you. Sean, it, okay. If he hurts you, he's coffin nailing you. Well, he hurt DC and Michael Bisbing. He didn't coffin nail either. Oh, dude. All right. Okay. You're just dropped some giant bullshit right now. First of all, he hurt Bisbing. He didn't coffin nail him because the round ended. We but we know that for a fact. And then, secondly, he hurt DC with a body kick and then didn't know it. 
and, and then tried to chase him, and it was too late. Come what on, if, I'm talking about I hit here. you in the face. <laughs> I, I hit you in the face, and you fall over. Usually, if Anderson Silva does that to you, that is the end. I, I can't think of one time where that hasn't been the end. Well, that would be great. I'll tell you that right now. Well, yeah, that shit ain't going to happen. But I'm just saying that this is the reason why you don't. I mean, wouldn't you rather have 200? 200 what? Wouldn't you rather have plus 200? Yeah, but I'm not going to get plus 200. Oh, you're talking on the prop? I mean, yeah, but I, yeah. I'm, I'm cool, man. I mean, look. It's like Benson Henderson. You take a, a victory by any means necessary, by the skin of your teeth. You know what I mean? What, if, it's, right. if it's a DQ, it's a DQ. If it's a split decision, whatever it takes, man. I just want that victory. And if he's the dog, then I'm all good. Fair enough. I'm like uh, George Safe Pierre. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> but that being said, dude, I'm due for a loss, man. Because you can't keep winning so many times, you know? That's going to be Anderson. But Anderson's due for a win, bro. No, he's not. He's due to, he's due to for the story to end in the most horrible fashion possible. It's due for him to end like all people like him end. That stuck around too long. That don't want to actually get to the title. That want to come out and look good. His next Those fight guys is when that happens. always end up stiff. This, this fight, bad. they handpicked where they're like, all right, which guy can you knock out, Anderson? And he was probably like, well, I saw, I saw, you know what I mean? Robert, Robert Whitaker versus Derek Brunson. You know what I mean? The dude just got knocked out two months ago. He didn't even have time to, to properly rest that chin. And now he's going in there to fight yeah, Anderson. I guarantee you he's going to be feeling it when he's in there too. He, he never had one anyway. A what, a chin? Yeah. Yeah, this is true. you know, and somebody if somebody super sharp like that gets to him, Larkin didn't get to him. Yeah, but Larkin's a fucking. He's not a he's well. He's not a defensive slam. Whitaker fucking smoked uh, Brunson, man, and it was like two months ago. We knew that though. Well, we, we knew, knew that, that but he he was fucking plus one twenty five or something. The guy is confused. He thought he was a striker. He's no longer confused. Dude, but that goes back to what I was saying where he fights the same way every fight. We're waiting for the get Shut up. Shut up. This is recording. Don't worry. Start this goddamn thing. This... It doesn't matter. Do it right. Hold, hold up. This is recording. It's fine. The dude fights the same way every single fight. He strikes to the clinch and tries to take you down. Like It's not like all of a nope. sudden he's going to be diving in from a mile away. You know, He's going to no. do what he always I... does. I don't know. Oh, I've never seen him fight. <laughs> all right well i still have to get that that aforementioned water all right I'm get le- the goddamn water i'm leaving all of this in the fucking in the fucking thing all right all right man pretty depressing the falcons lost did you watch that game by chance yeah that was horrible dude they gave it away bro what a way to lose right uh that was pretty pitiful man it's hard to live that down like, dude, that would have been so huge for our city. Jeez. All right. Three, two, one. Welcome back to Half the Battle. I'm your host, as always, Daniel Levy, your co-host, Sean Carey Tattoo. 
And Sean, we're going to be breaking down UFC 208, Anderson the Spider Silva versus Derek Brunson, and Holly Holm versus Jermaine Durandamy. Jacka Ray, Dustin Poirier, Glover Teixeira, they stacked the card for us. How you doing, bro? Yeah, good, man. This, we should call this, uh, this episode of the podcast like part two, because we just had the whole podcast before we even started, kind of. Huh? <laughs> yeah, <sighs> indeed. But yeah, it was it was easy to shit on this card, and then when it's coming up to Saturday and you're looking at it, you know, my first impression is mad that I'm paying for a pay-per-view with, with Holly Holm as the main event, but when you really look at it, I don't think there's a lot of, there's not a lot of fights that are going to end up being too damn relevant, really. Uh, you know, pretend like I'm not talking about the main event at all, because A... Okay, that's, that'll be relevant. It's a goddamn title, but it's not relevant because none of us give a shit. But the other fights, the ones that we actually want to see, not a lot of relevance there, right? Who's going to well, come flying out of one of these fights with the, oh, shit, look at what blah, blah, blah did. did. There's not going to be any of that. Well, it's relevant any of these in guys terms wins of it. excitement and in terms of opportunity because, I mean, when you got guys like Dustin Poirier fighting, it's guaranteed violence, Anderson Silva, Jacare. I mean, dudes are going to be getting knocked out. So oh, yeah. That's what I'm paying it's to gonna see. It's going to be fun. Yeah, it'll be fun, sure. Indeed it will. So, dude. Well, you know, hopefully. <laughs> hopefully. Real quick before we start, how about the Korean zombie coming back off a three-year and a half layoff and knocking uh, out Dennis Bermudez with that uppercut? You know what? He, he, was, he was getting teed off on, too. He was getting teed off on, and then he just... He, he just hit him with the fucking Bermudez, you know what I mean? Like, he hit him with the perfect uppercut, and that was it. That was that was the thing going into that fight. The, like, the moment where you shit your pants if you're Dennis Bermudez, does he make it through that moment and win, or does that moment end it? That was the moment that ended it. Perfect shot. Like, really, really fucking nice shot. Puts Good himself night. right back in the top ten with that win. So the question is, who should he fight next? And what I was thinking was, look, if they're not going to give Yair a fight against Ortega, what about uh, what about Korean Zombie versus Ortega? Oh, that's tough. That sounds like a a, a third round uh, stoppage for Ortega. <laughs> Dude, so is uh, is is third round Ortega going to be the new third round Yoel? Just like the fifth round, Robbie Lawler. Pretty much, when you, dude, when you notice these things, and you're like, "Wow, he did it again!" The next time that he fights, you wouldn't dare do it. You wouldn't dare put money on Ortega round three because it's happened enough where you're like, "Okay, that's the end of that happening." And then you don't do it, and then it fucking happens. So I think you just gotta sack up and do it because that's a fight that that could actually happen in, right? So why not? It's a huge number. A little bit of money. Have some fun. How about the two newcomers coming in with the upsets? Marcel Fortuna weighing in at 210 pounds. He knocks out a guy in Anthony Hamilton who weighs 258 pounds, Sean. Does that really have anything to do with Marcel Fortuna, though? And it was his or first was career knockout. First career knockout. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Was that, I, I feel like that was 90% Hamilton, right? Not a ton to do with... with <laughs> Whatever it was, the dude's got the bragging rights now. And also, this kid owes the mirror. I mean, OSP could have totally put him away there in that third round, but 
man, Ozdemir got off to a fast start with those kicks. He came to fight early. You know, I know he felt those jitters a little bit, so I expect him to come back better in his sophomore appearance. But for, you know, taking on a guy such as OSB, who is a perennial top 10 in your UFC debut, and going out there and giving him a tough out like that, uh, that that's a statement in my eyes, Sean. Well, uh, color me unimpressed, because I thought he looked like shit. I thought OSP looked like, basically, OSP always looks uh, goofy, non-committal, uh, just a big dude who, who goes, I win fights by punching people, and he, then he just goes, <laughs> I must try to punch you, but there's no fucking, there's no thinking going on in there. I don't, I don't like him at all. I never thought he was worth a shit at all. Yeah, but and, look, uh, he wins a lot of fights, so, you know, it's it's not, you know, often that guys go in there and beat him. It's usually the elite guys that beat him. So the fact that this newcomer, who only had one fight since 2014, I believe, to go in there and beat, you know, the number six guy on planet Earth, I mean, you got to give him, you know, some kind of respect for that. Yeah, I mean, yes, uh, what you said is true, but, you know, it, contextually, it's, that's a shit division where only three or four guys matter, you know. Eh, okay. Hey, you know what I'm saying? Like, all, all light heavyweight lives matter, bro. <laughs> yeah, I was just in a protest for that recently. <laughs> and uh, you know we can't uh, not talk about Houston without giving a, giving a shout-out to my boy James Vick, the executioner rebounding in style that's how you face defeat like a champion you take the proper time off you don't make excuses you know it's interesting because on pre-fight i was listening to osp uh talk about you know his fight with manua because you know he's coming off a, a similar result right in his fight with manua so he was saying stuff like you know i had a lot of personal issues going into it and you know but now i've changed things around this and that vic was just like I got caught. I'm not going to disrespect Benil Dariush and make an excuse, you know, and it's not like I, I changed anything. You know, I, I've always been motivated. So, you know, that that's the mindset of a world champion is not be affected by such a devastating loss. And then he came out there. It didn't affect him at all. That Abel was swinging hard on him. And, you know, I'm not going to talk about the flying knee that rocked him. I'm not going to talk about the beautiful Darce choke. I'm going to talk about what about uh, James Vick scoring his first UFC takedown against an All-American in Abel Trujillo, Sean? You know, he did exactly what he needed to do. He didn't give up on that choke. He went. He he saw he could get it, and he almost had it, and he went back for it again. Uh, the most impressive thing about his performance is that he uh, took a couple clean ones, and it didn't matter, which is which is great. That's a, you can't really ask to see anything better than that. Indeed. So I mean, I think what's next is a guy like Evan Dunham, or maybe even a guy like Anthony Pettis. Is that what you're thinking? Because to that me, that would be great. To me, uh, I'd stay away from Dunham, though. To me, he's uh, he's on the cusp of the top fifteen. I mean, six and one in the UFC. The only guys in the UFC besides him that beat Abel Trujillo are Khabib and Tony, and Vic arguably beat Abel just as impressively, if not more, than those guys did. So, to me, you know, it's fringe top fifteen. So, whether it's Dunham or Pettis, I think it's got to be a guy like that. You know, no, no yeah, more, no I mean, more like Johnny, no more Johnny Case or any, or anything like that. You know, it's be we're beyond that now. Yeah, I'd I'd like to see something like that. That would be good. He deserves it. You know. Agreed. Well, did anything else stand out to you on the Houston card before we move on to UFC 208? 
No, I think you covered it. Those were those were the highlights, basically. It was pretty good. Well, that kid, Nico Price, he's tough as fuck, man. You know, him and Murano. I'm excited to see what both of them Why did Murano gas out so quickly? Maybe because he's too small for the weight class. You know, maybe it is true. You know, because I was kind of... In the in the mindset that it was a Kelvin Gastelum situation where that's just his body type, but the thing with Kelvin is Kelvin's a cardio machine. So you know, Murano. At the same time, you can use that argument, but you could also say he simply got caught. So which one is it? But you know, there's many there's many factors. I mean, he dropped him in the first round. Sometimes when you have someone that hurt and you try to expend a lot of energy finishing them, you don't come back the same if they're still there. It could have been that or. You know, Nico just caught him in the right spot, put him out, and that was all she wrote. Yeah, you know, young guy, young guy trying too hard at home, perhaps. Yeah, bottom line, you know, he was having his way. He, he was having his way with him. I truly believe they're both going to be back, man. So, you know, I can't wait to see what they both do. But you know what, dude? Since we've been talking for like thirty minutes, let's get right down to this main card because we got Dustin the Diamond Poirier. He's minus four seventy five. And the comeback on Jim Miller is plus 380. And, you know, usually when you see Jim Miller at plus 380 in a spot, you got to think to yourself, I mean, this dude's a savvy vet. He's been there. He's done that. He's been in there with everyone. You know, he's a, he's a true vet. I mean, as Joe, as Joe uh, Silva would say, it's Jim fucking Miller. So you got to show him all the respect in the world. And, you know, there was one point in his career where I thought, you know, maybe this really is the end for him. You know, like the time with Cowboy where, you know, he uh, you know faked the nut shot. He, he got knocked out twice in that fight. Let, let, let's put it like that. But, you know, he had, sure. the, he had the Lyme disease thing going on. And, I, you know, I'm no doctor, but I'm not sure if that goes away permanently or... You know, if, if it goes into remission or whatever. But bottom line is, I think he got it taken care of, and he's been having better performances as a result. He is on a three-fight win streak. But that being said, you know, it's against Takanori Gomi, who's at the, you know, beyond the tail end, a fight against Joe Lozon, where a lot of us did think Joe Lozon won the fight. Although, I got to give credit to Jim Miller. His striking looked much improved in that fight. And then in the Tiago Alves fight, even though he did you know, somewhat dominate the fight, it was really more of a fact that he had the most opportune takedowns in that fight. And that was, you know, just that veteran savvy, knowing when to time the takedowns. But certain things I saw in that fight lead me to believe that the minus 475 favorite is going to end this in under two and a half rounds. And the reason that I, that I bring that up is because there's one sequence in the Tiago Alves fight where Tiago kicks him hard in the body. And, you know, with some guys when they get hit hard, you know, they smile and they hit you back. Some guys walk away and try to, you know, get their breath back. With Jim, it was an immediate desperate shot, you know, immediate desperate takedown. You do that against a guy like Dustin Poirier, and uh, he's going to get you in that darse choke. But if you stay standing, he's going to knock you out. You know, he's been putting away almost everyone he's been fighting at lightweight. And they're guys that are very tough to put away. I'm talking about guys like Bobby Green. One does not simply knock out Bobby Green in the first round. One does not simply 30-26 Joe Duffy. And, you know, Diego Diego Ferreira, one doesn't simply knock him out in the first round. So, I've been very impressed with Dustin Poirier's move to 155 pounds. You know, his last fight against uh, Michael Johnson, look, if you watch that combo, I mean, the speed that Michael Johnson operates with, <laughs> that there, that's all there is to say. I understand that Jim Miller is a southpaw just like Michael Johnson, but I don't think this is a this is a case of, you know, Dustin not 
not matching up well with Southpaws. I just believe it's a case of Michael Johnson. They call him Blackie out for a reason. The dude is so fucking fast. That counter came out of nowhere. I don't think Miller's going to be able to counter him like that at all. I think Matt, I think Miller sh uh, throws one shot at a time. He throws hard, but I think that it's not going to be fast enough to you know get Dustin Poirier out of there. So in order for Miller to win this fight, I believe that Dustin really has to you know, just have the worst performance of his life or somehow not be the same since the Johnson fight. But I've already seen him come back once from a knockout loss and look the best he's ever looked. So I, I imagine that's going to continue here, Sean. He's going to get the big victory. So, you know, I put him in a 3.5 unit parlay when he was minus 335 with someone else on the card. Yeah, I, I basically agree with every... What? What, what? Oh, never mind. Um, I basically agree with everything that you said. Uh, you know, we knew going into the MJ fight that MJ had, you know, Poirier's kryptonite, right? It was it was speed and power reflexes. Uh, Dan Miller doesn't have, uh, excuse me, Jesus Christ, he doesn't have them either. But, Jim Miller. Uh, Jim Miller doesn't, yeah, Jim Miller doesn't have any of those. Um, you know, he is a tough journeyman type guy. Uh, and that was his best asset. And, and to me, and that, that fake uh, cowboy nut shot was when his best asset disappeared. As far as the Lyme disease thing goes, um, I don't think that that ever completely goes away. But if he thinks he's mentally gotten past it, I think that maybe you've gotten past it, if that's, if that's the case. Um, but Jim Miller with Lyme disease or no Lyme disease is just added out of his depth here. You know what I'm saying? He just went life or death and, and lost to, to Lozon. We, we saw that he didn't lose, but he lost. And you know, Lozon is infinitely hittable. He just is. He always has been. Um, his wrestling is, you know, it, it gets shut down. It's kind of rudimentary. The striking is good basically because it's in combination, but the, the, the technical side of the strikes by themselves, not so great. It's, it's just because there's combination, which still is a semi-rare thing in the sport. I have no idea why. Um, and, you know, he has pulled some weird subs uh, on good BJJ guys out of his ass. That's absolutely happened. So you got to add that to his arsenal. But when it comes down to it, the big gaps here are the, the power, the speed, the reflexes. You know, I, I feel like Poirier is going to come after him. And I feel like when they trade, uh, Poirier is going to be landing first and way harder and, and pressure, pressure, pressure. And we, we know Jim Miller will fade. We kind of can say that Jim Miller might quit. I think this is a horrible fight for him. I think this is a horrible matchup for him. It's, he's one or two fights away from the end of his career. And if this goes as badly for him as I think it's going to go, uh, you know, this could be the last one right now. Um, as far as uh, Dustin Poirier goes, I think, like you said, uh, you know, coming off of a bad loss, he has come back better. He's still young enough and, and, and doesn't have that many miles on him where we can uh, – you know, all of a sudden expect him to come back weird this time or come back weaker this time. I think he'll probably come back stronger, more focused. I know, he, you know, I think he knows that he's got a winnable fight in front of him. Um, 
probably overmatch Jim Miller on the ground, BJJ-wise, can stop his takedowns, can probably get his own takedowns, has better cardio, has better guts and fortitude, way faster, way stronger, hits way harder. Um, I got him at minus 190, which was a fucking gift, but as far as his number is now, I'm not allergic to that number either you know what i'm saying like if you think he's gonna win go ahead and pay for it it's not completely out of range uh i i think he wins i think he wins easy what do you think about about the under two and a half at minus 115 um i think that's i think that's pretty i i like there's other totals on the card that i like way better but i i mean yeah i think he gets them in the beginning of the or beginning of the second or sometime in the first, I think he gets in pretty early. So yeah, sure. So why aren't you betting it, Sean? Because there's other totals that I like better that I did bet. I don't think Sean's hurt. I think he's scared. Say again. I don't think Sean's hurt. Oh. I think he's scared. Oh. <laughs> no. And it's just like when it comes down to this, if I was going to all of a sudden throw that one in, I would throw more on the ones that I liked more instead of adding that one. So the two that I picked, I like more. So I'll stick with those. Next up, Glover Teixeira. He's minus 165. And Jared the Cannon, Cannonier, is plus 145. Now, uh, Jared Cannonier, he's the fighting pride of Alaska. You know, he's, uh, ever since Cody McKenzie, this guy's waving the flag now. You know what I mean, Sean? And look, Glover Teixeira's coming off a life-changing KO. So here's my question. Is Glover Teixeira going to rebound like James Vick, or is he going to rebound like Ronda Rousey? Let me know. I mean, that's a tough question. Here's the narrative on on Glover that that I don't get. When he doesn't look good or when he goes life and death with somebody or he gets tired. It's always like, Oh, this guy's training in his garage with neighborhood kids. He's not really doing this. He's actually this old. Uh, you didn't know that he was that old. He's got all these miles on him. He's been, you know, and it's like you really start shitting on him. And then when it gets up close to a fight, it's like, I, I I don't know, like, people forget about that stuff. That's been going on for years now, you know what I'm saying? I'm sorry, like, Glover kind of missed his window. If he was there earlier, uh, it'd be different, but he, he missed the window. He's here late. He had some, some bad performances. He, he never really lived up to what we were told that he was. Um, well, Sean, Sean, you know, in, in all fairness... You know, he still has wins over Rampage, Rashad, OSP. You know, it's not like he, you know, was a total bust. Like, it's not like he has no wins under his belt. No, but what I expect, no, not not that. But the people that you named, yuck. You know what I'm saying? Nobody gives a shit about those guys. Yuck, yuck, right, now. yuck and, right now in 2017, but at the time, it was a big deal. Rampage was a big deal and Rashad was a big deal? Yeah, I mean, that was like back when uh, 
when uh, DJ was fighting Dodson the first time. Like, that was back then, you know? It was kind of a passing the torch situation. They all have to happen. And the fact that he was good enough to overcome that says a lot because right now is another passing of the torch situation. And we're going to see if Jared's good enough to do it. The fact is, Glover was no. good enough to, to get that torch, that torch passed to him when he fought Rampage. And we're going to find out if Jared's good enough for it. But it seems like uh, we're okay. thinking that the vet's going to prevail here. When when somebody gets the torch passed to them, I want to see them run with it for a little while. I don't want to see them get it passed to them and then turn and pass it to the next guy that they fight. You know what I'm saying? Like Oh, like Charlie uh, Brennan. Uh, I don't story. know. No. <laughs> yeah, there's not really like a... I don't, they passed him the torch for like two seconds or something. I don't, you know what I'm saying? He never did it, man. He never, he never did it. He never did it. His chance to do it was, was Anthony Johnson, a guy that he could have taken down, that he could have suffocated, that he eventually would have gotten out of there. You know what I'm saying? But he didn't fight that way. He didn't, he didn't seize that moment. That was, that was the time. Yeah, but you don't um, have to win a UFC title to be a guy like, you know, a Kenny Florian. You can still be a staple, have fought for the title, not won it, but you're still, you know, a perennial top five guy. Like, like a Cowboy Cerrone, you know what I'm saying? He fought for the title, but yes. he, he's never going to be good enough to win the belt, but he'll always be a top five guy. So I feel like Glover's one of those guys. You're right, and in this, you're right, but in this division, it just means a lot less. You know what I mean? Hence, uh, his fight upcoming with Jared Cannonier. A uh, yuck. You know what I'm saying? Like, here's the thing with with Cannonier. Like, he's not as good as Glover. His punches aren't as good as Glover. He really doesn't do much else besides the various head kick here and there. His takedown defense is shit. We've seen that his chin is shit. Um, I don't see any reason to think that, that at 205, his chin is going to be better. Uh, Kudalaba never really, like, really hit him good. You know, he hit him, but never really hit him good, good. Um, so we don't really know. Um, you know, the, the reason why I'm not on Glover here is just he just got his whole fucking brain erased last time out. He's at that point in his career where you can't really just eat one of those. And if he was coming back against somebody who couldn't do the same exact thing to him, I would be on him because he's absolutely the better guy. He's absolutely the better guy. And on the ground, there's a huge gap here. I just can't take him in this situation just because he got knocked out and he's, he's fighting a knockout puncher. I don't think anything of Cannonier at all. And, uh, you know, it just sounded like I hate, I hate Glover, but uh, I don't. I think he's, you know, he's definitely fun to watch. He's good. I just, he got here too late. He ain't doing shit. Um, in this situation, if you want to bet on Glover, I can't, I can't blame you. But if you're going in with a bet on Glover saying, oh, this is going to be easy, you're fucking crazy. You know what I'm saying? He, he might be one shot away from losing, and you don't really know that, so. Uh, the price is not uh, is not good enough for me. I don't I don't like it. I feel like this is a pick'em. Interesting. So where would you set the line in terms of a pick'em? I mean, are we talking minus one ten, minus one ten? Are we talking a pick'em with a slightly yeah, towards sure. Glover, or like what what are we saying here, Sean? Yeah, right on top of each other like that. Minus one ten, minus one ten. That's fine. So if you see it I, that way, then why aren't you betting on Jared at plus one forty five? Because he's shit. He's terrible. And and 35 points is not enough. It's just, 
he's not good. You know what I'm saying? This is a, whoever lands first, and I don't really know what Cannoneer can do, really. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's just it, it, the only dynamic that I'm thinking of right here is, is taking a super hard, life-changing knockout late in your career when you're old, and now you're fighting this guy who can, who can land the same fucking thing on you and get you out of there. We've seen him hurt by, by lesser guys. We absolutely have. You know, I, it's not safe. It's not safe enough. It's not safe enough to entice me. Well, it's definitely but not if, safe. If you bet on Glo- yeah, if you bet on Glover, um, fucking, you know, I hope you win. But in terms of the matchup, the way I see it is, you know, I honestly liked Jared uh, Cannonier better at heavyweight because I felt like, you know, he was kind of a smaller guy, not like Adam Milstead or anything like that, but more like the smaller athletic guy that's, that's super mobile on his feet. And I felt like he could catch guys with his speed. But ever since he dropped down, you know, I had low expectations in the Ion Kutuleba fight. And then he goes out there. You know, he took the ass whooping up front. He persevered. And, you know, in that third round, he's got his hands down. And he's begging Ion Kutuleba to throw at him. And uh, he broke Ion Kutuleba in that fight. So that was a statement in itself. And it's a matter of, once again, is Glover Teixeira's chin well rested after the devastation? You know, there's there's degrees to getting knocked out, right? <laughs> you know, uh, the Glover Teixeira versus Anthony Rumble Johnson knockout was way more severe than, say, Dustin Poirier versus Michael Johnson. Y- you know what I mean? So he's coming back from a serious life changer. So we got to see what he's like in this fight. But at the same time, like you mentioned, he's got the well-rounded M- MMA skill set. So who's, who's to say that he can't take him down? I mean, Ion Kutaleba took down Jared Cannonier as well. Oh, yeah. So, you know, it's going to... Br- if he goes out and takes him down, he's going to sail to a win. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's just... And I, 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 I expect I him to do, him that, to do man. that, uh, You know, I expect him to do that. But obviously, you know, I don't bet minus 165 type lines. And it's always sketchy, uh, sketchy shit, man. So may the best man win. But I'm going to lean towards Glover. But nothing will surprise me, man. This is MMA. Anything can happen. Anyone can be knocked out. And, if you know, maybe this is Jared's time. Maybe Glover is past his prime. But... You know, I think Glover's experience and the fact that he can mix it up is what's going to uh, lead him to a victory here, Sean. You don't you don't bet minus one sixty five because they're too close to minus one seventy. Yeah, man, it's it, it's got to be like one sixty yeah. one sixty three, Sean. You know what I'm saying? Okay, that's fair. <laughs> yeah. So. Uh, yeah. Uh, if you think if you think Glover's going to wrestle, I would fucking bet on him. I mean, I do, That's but what, I what, what am I going to do? Bet on him straight or fucking parlay him and, and like, pray that, like, you know, so one of these other dudes wins? I'd take him inside. If you think he's going to wrestle, I'd take him inside the distance. But we just had a conversation about that. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm not even Because I think if he wrestles, if he wrestles and really wants to do that, I don't think Cannoneer can, can stay on bottom of that for three rounds and not, and not get ground and pounded or subbed. I mean, he's coming probably off. probably get arm triangles. You know, I don't like to bet on guys that come off life changers unless they've taken the proper amount of time off, and I know that it's their dream. Six months pretty good. Yes, but it's different with certain guys. You know, with with a guy like Glover, you know, I'm not entirely sure that 
he still wants to be the world champion, that he has, he still has that drive. Whereas other guys that I bet on that, you know, have potentially gotten knocked out before, I know that they want to be world champion. So, you know, like uh, like Dustin Poirier, like James Vick, guys like that. Or Whereas I'm not sure if Glover Teixeira still has that mindset. So that's what would keep me away from a bet in this spot, Sean. Do you feel me on that? I, Yeah, I totally agree with that. I don't, I don't think he wants that. Exactly. I don't think so that he why, thinks. So why, uh, I don't think he thinks about the top of the division. I don't think he beats Gus. I don't think he beats AJ. I don't think he beats John Jones. Yeah. I don't <laughs> think he thinks he beats either of those guys. Any of those guys. Why dabble, man? You know, for me, just sit back and watch it. Because I mean, either way, you know, your friend's gonna be over. Someone's gonna get knocked out. Good times. Not gonna have to sweat it out. Plus, got already got more than enough on the line. So, enjoy this one. And best of luck to those who decide to invest in it. But dude, yeah, I will have a play. I, I will have a play on this fight, but it is not out yet. Oh yeah, you wanna you wanna share or you wanna wait? Because I mean, last time we talked about Chidi and I'm gonna wait. Or well, hold yeah. on, hold on, say Sean. Last time we talked about Chidi and Njigawani being nine, minus four hundred, and I, I know they listened to us, and then they like said it at like minus two thirty. So you know they don't they don't take us seriously, man. And we've been cleaning up. So go ahead and tell us what you what you're eyeing, bro. I, I don't want to say it because I'm scared that it's going to come out at 11 o'clock when I'm sleeping because I'm old. And then I'm going to wake up and it's gone 100 points. Is it uh, I, You guys know what I it is. Guess, Everybody knows what it is. It's something, it's, it's something I could guess, right? Something very Sean Carrier. Absolutely. It's the only guess. Okay, cool, yeah. It's, it's it, a really simple one. It, yes. it, it's Sean Carrier. Well, anyways, man. Yes. We got Ronaldo Jacare Souza. He's minus 500. Versus Tim Bush, who's plus four hundred. So you know this is one of them situations where, you know, if you're gonna if you're gonna do the upset and try to go with Tim Bush, banking on him to to catch Jacare at that price, you know, the way that I would buy into that angle is if Jacare had been undefeated for a long time and all these fights were coming easy to him, and uh, you know he hasn't tasted defeat in a long time. So, you know, he's kind of losing his hunger a bit. But the way I see it is he's, uh, not only did he lose last year to Yoel Romero, which, you know, which was only one fight ago. So he already has the hunger back because he's tasted defeat recently. But uh, now I feel like he's the guy that's waiting for the title shot. You know, after uh, Yoel Romero and Michael Bisping settle their differences, Jacare's going to get the next shot. So... They just gave him a, a nice little, uh, you know, a nice little journeyman br- being brought in to lose that's on a win streak so it doesn't look, you know, totally bad. And uh, he's going to go out there and do his thing. If you want to talk about the matchup, why would uh, Tim Bosch knock him out? Well, Tim Bosch is uh, simply too slow for uh, for uh, Jacare. Let's put it like that. He, he, here are the guys that Tim Bosch has been knocking out lately. So he knocked out uh, Josh the Man, rest in peace. And... Um, he knocked out. He knocked out Rafael Natal, who was coming off the disappointment of losing his Super Bowl when he fought Robert Whitaker. That was the best Rafael Natal had ever looked, and he just had nothing left anymore. He goes out there and Bosch just uh, finished the deal. And I mean, Bosch is a dude who, you know, two fights ago is getting knocked out by Ed Herman, fucking looking pregnant out there. Uh, you know what I'm saying? When, that when he fought Luke Rockhold, I mean, that was like some shit that the black belt do to the white belts at my gym. Like, the, the shit was just, 
you know, this is going to be completely embarrassing. You know, I, I understand letdowns in certain spots, but this is one of those spots. And whether they stand and bang and Jacare knocks him out or if he decides to play it safe and take him down and choke him out, it's all good. I, you know, I put that in that parlay with Dustin Poirier, 3.5 units. And, uh, you know, I don't think the the upset's going to happen in this spot. I don't I don't think this is the time for uh, for Bosch to knock out Jacare. I think that there's too much on the line. Jacare's worked way too hard to get, to get to this point. He's already tasted defeat recently. He's not going to let it go all out the window for his pride to get into some, some stupid slugfest. He's going to take him down. He's going to choke him out. And he's going to move on to the, to face the winner of uh, Yoel Romero versus... Uh, Versus Michael Bisman. Yeah, you know what? On on paper, this is this is a super easy win for Jacare. Jacare could really get one takedown, and and Tim Bosch could never get back up again. Uh, it's just that simple. And and whether or not he subs him, it, you know, if he spends four minutes on top, he's getting a sub. I would assume. Uh, even if he doesn't sub him, he's got better cardio. He'll get him the next round. This looks pretty easy. And as far as letdown spots for Jacare goes, um, he kind of passed the test with the ultimate letdown spot with Chris Camozzi the second time around. There really isn't a less attractive fight to a guy than that, right? That's that's about as letdown-y as letdown spots get. Hey, Sean Carey, um, I'm really sorry to interrupt you, but tell me what you think about this. Under one and a half in this spot is minus 125. That's definitely playable. That's definitely playable. Yeah. Uh, yes, definitely playable. Um, I don't see any, you know what I'm saying? Like, why would Jacare trade with him and not just take him down? I have no idea. Is he going to try to show off here because he thinks he's got a super easy fight ahead of him? That would be a huge mistake. Um, on paper, this is a really, this is a really easy win for Jacare. I really think that. Um, but too bad that I'm betting on Tim Bosch inside the distance. <laughs> like, I, I just have to do it. I just feel the spoiler vibe on this one. I think that uh, Tim Bosch is, is – I think that Jacare is going to trade with Tim Bosch. I think Tim Bosch is going to do some crazy Tim Bosch stuff, and he's going to land on Jacare, who I believe has always been chinny, uh, despite how many times he's been knocked out or has not been knocked out. Um, and I think Tim Bosch gets him. I'm going to put this in a round robin. That means on this particular, I think the total will be 1.8 units uh, for the whole round robin. I assume that Tim Bosch inside the distance will be in the plus 600E range. That's totally worth it to me. I'll be doing that. If you want to talk round robins, I got two legs for you. So under one and a half in the Jacare fight, which is minus 125. Under two and a half in the Poirier fight, which is minus one fifteen, and if you parlay both of those, it's plus two thirty seven. Now, you know it's kind of not my thing to parlay those kind of things because that's kind of, you know, that's a uh, that's straight degen shit. But I mean, a- am I thinking too hard, or should I fucking just go for it in this spot, man? I mean, is this the time to do something like that? No, that's what you think. I mean, look, there's no, there's no reason to to be like. Oh, Daniel, that, that's fucking, are you kidding me? That's a crazy idea. There's no way that happens. Of course, of course that could happen. Of course, Jacare could get Tim Bosch in the first round. And, and if, if for some reason I'm fucking right and Tim Bosch gets him, it's probably going to be in the first round too. You know what I mean? Like, no, that's, that's great. You know what I mean? If you really think that, you got to do that. 
and and as far as putting those things in round robin, I don't put juice in round robins. They've got to be like, you know, plus one eighty, plus two hundred minimum. So you're saying that I should just parlay these two unders? Have you ever done that before? Sure. Okay, so uh, yeah, m- m- maybe I'm not that deep into the game, huh, Sean? No, but I mean, you know, you ain't gonna spend a lot. You put one unit on it. What's it gonna pay? Two, two thirty, two fifty. You know what I mean? One unit to win two point five on two. Really think it's gonna win? Two thirty seven. Sure. Yeah, have some fun. Why not? Have some fun, but it's only fun I feel like when you're not I, losing money. Oh fuck it. Can't take it with you. <laughs> this is true. Well Anderson the Spider Silva. He's plus he's plus one twenty. Oh. Derek Brunson is minus one forty. Now not too long ago. You know, actually, I think this episode of Half the Battle, you weren't on it, but we spoke about it at length, and we both had big plays on Robert Whitaker to beat Derek Brunson. And, uh, Sean, tell me real quick why we faded Derek Brunson against Robert Whitaker. Because he runs in with his chin just just floating around in the air, just waiting to get knocked off, and it's been a while, like a bunch of fights in a row like that. Let me ask you And eventually... He was going to run into a striker who would stop short, counter him, and knock him out. Let me ask you another question. Who has the most knockdowns in UFC history? Uh, I I don't actually know this, but in the context of the question, I guess I'll have to say Anderson Silva. You're correct. Anderson Silva with 18, 18 knockdowns. That's the most in UFC history. So this is a matchup between a guy... With the most knockdowns in UFC history versus a guy that runs in, you know, on a suicide mission to blitz you with his hands down and his chin up. If that's not the recipe for a knockout, then, you know, maybe I don't know what the fuck I'm looking at. Now, look, I know when it's time to fade people because, look, I I faded Anderson when he fought Bisbing. I passed on... uh, you know, taking the shot on him versus Cormier. You know, the, the the odds were way too crazy on Cormier to to bet on him, and I even almost considered betting on Nick Diaz. So, for me, the the only time I've been wrong on an Anderson fight is when he fought Weidman the first time. For some reason, I thought he was going to beat him, and that was finally the time when he had to take that first L. So, here's my theory on Anderson, man. So, I feel like obviously you remember the aura of invincibility. I mean, no one could touch him, no one could do shit to him. Chris Weidman came in and shattered it, and then you know the broken leg. I mean that, uh, you know that 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 dampered his career a little bit. And then he goes in there with Nick Diaz. He doesn't look like the same guy, and uh, the Marcos from Thailand thing. But I gotta tell you what, man. He took a year off. He comes back against Michael Bisping, and even though he was slower, and even though it wasn't the same Anderson Silva that knocked out Vitor Belfort, that was in the Matrix verse. Forrest Griffin, you know, even, you know, the guy that, uh, you know, fucking knocked out Tony Frickling with that fucking elbow, you know, even though it's not that guy, it's still a guy that knows those moves and that's capable of still hurting people to this day. And the reason I say that is because my proof is he knocked out Bisping with a flying knee and he hurt Daniel Cormier with a body kick. So the fact that at this age, he's still capable of hurting people, that shows me a lot. Now, I know 
fighters at the end of their careers. Those are the ones that I look to fade. And it's no sentimental value with me. Like I said, you know, I love Anderson just as much now as when I faded him versus Bisming. But in this spot, I truly believe he can get back on track. I also believe that he's starting to find, you know, his swagger again. Maybe he's not going to be as fast or, you know, his reflex aren't going to be as good Why as they were. Why do you think that? Maybe Why do you think that? Because, you know... Why do you think that? Because the second Weidman fight, he was completely gun-shy. The Nick Diaz fight, he was, you know, a little bit better, but still kind of gun-shy. Then the Bisming fight, he looked better than he's looked in a long fucking time. And then the Cormier fight, he takes on two days short notice when he hasn't been training up a weight class. And, you know, that just shows the kind of balls and competitive spirit that this man has. And he made it all three fucking rounds. He laid down. He laid Do you know down. how hard it he is had to get chance. up from an he Olympian? He had a chance for a stand-up. He had a chance to win the fight after after a ref stand-up and did nothing. Dude, when you're gassed out one minute into a fight and you're literally fighting on your heart and you have no training camp and no cardio to back you up, there's nothing you can do. But he was still not looking for the door. So now you're giving me Derek Brunson with the chin up, the hands down, who was just knocked out two months ago, had zero time to recover. He's not at Greg Jackson's. He's at the home gym and Anderson has had a full camp. He's cutting to 185 pounds, which means he has to take this fight seriously. He's training with guys like Jacare. He handpicked this opponent because he because there's no one else in the top 10 you know if we're being honest that he can probably beat at this point except Derek Brunson They're, they made this matchup for a reason so you know if he loses he loses it is what it is but you know when we talk about fading the legends we talk about fading legends like BJ Penn every fight not in certain spots in every fight with with Silva you have to pick your spots I don't believe this is a spot to fade him. I think this is a spot to take a shot at a plus 130, especially for the last time against the guy that was viciously knocked out two months ago. Now, we can argue, was he viciously knocked out or did he, uh, did he you know, take a knee there? But bottom line is, we know what happens when, when Brunson gets hurt. Not just because Whitaker did it, because Yoel Romero did it, because Jacare did it. It's been done more than once. And it'll happen again, motherfucker. (laughs) (laughs) No, it's weird. It's like you just gave me a nice long history lesson. I really appreciate that. Here's some history. Like, who was the last guy that Anderson beat? Nick Diaz. No, no contest. Don't, don't don't give me that bullshit. Don't give me that bullshit. This is no contest. He's a no. It was fuck a no that, contest. Fuck that. Are, 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 we, are, we fucking, are, are we fucking journalists who's, here? Or are, are we being who's, honest? Who's here? Anderson? Who's Anderson Silva's last win? Nick Diaz. He got no, his arm that's raised. No contest. Look, look. That's like saying that that Charles Oliveira didn't beat Nick Lentz the first time. Don't give me the fucking no con. That's like saying Tim Means didn't beat Alex Oliveira or Anderson Silva didn't beat Yushin Okami. It's the biggest bullshit. A fight is a fight. Fuck the rules. Whoever wins, they you know. If you're a fighter and you're fighting someone and a dude knocks you out, but you know there's some kind of bullshit, you still know he knocked you out. You still know he's the better fighter. So, you know, you know what I mean? I, I don't buy that bullshit at all. Now, in this spot, it wasn't a knockout. It was more of a beating someone in a decision, but he still beat him in that decision. So, how can we fucking sit here and dispute that? It happened. Who's the last who's the last one on Anderson Silver's record? <laughs> you know, minus the no contest? 
Yes, of course. That's not a win. So who's the last win on his record? Stefan Bonner. Who's that? Who's the last win on? A, oh, I remember him. I remember him. Who's the last win I on? A, I remember that guy on, on Derek Brunson's record. The last win on Derek Brunson's record? Yeah. The guy that he fought before Whitaker. Yeah, you mean the guy that's lost three fights in a row? It doesn't matter. That has nothing to do with what I'm talking about. I'm trying to illustrate that the last time this guy cleanly won was was uh, you know in the '60s. It, look. The guy that you're talking about how doesn't exist anymore. The, Let me tell you. Hold on, Daniel. Let me tell you about the guy who exists now, okay? This is the guy that exists now. And look, uh, three units on Weidman the first time, four units on Weidman the next time, five units on Diaz, oops, uh, and then four units on Bisbing at, like, plus 260 or something ridiculous. Um, look, he's not that guy anymore. Watch him. He here's what he does. Okay, Anderson Silva was good because he would back up, make you miss, and hit you. He does not do that anymore. The guy is 100% switch on offense, 100% switch off defense. That's it. He's either 100% defending or he's 100% offensive coming at you. When you push him, he goes straight back. He does not throw back at you, and he puts his back on the cage. When you want to take him down, you just take him down. It's different now. He's not that guy. He's a guy who's was awesome because his reflexes were awesome. The reflexes are the first thing to go. We learned this a long time ago, and it has not changed. The reflexes are gone. Uh, we talked about this earlier. He's a, he's a guy who, who wants to slide off in one direction, fade that direction, lean that direction. Since the reflexes are gone, he leans that direction or fades or moves off in that direction and gets clipped with a hook from that side and knocked out or dropped by guys who can't punch or guys who are slow. It, you're telling guys, me that... Guys who can't punch that, like Chris Weidman? Uh, Chris Weidman's a puncher now. I mean, he knocked out a guy that has never been knocked out before. I mean... You know what I mean? Like, what, what That's Chris, because Chris it's Buncher, just time. It's Chris Weidman doesn't, doesn't, doesn't punch hard. All these guys punch hard. I'm Look, just saying, since when, you're totaling up, well, when you're totaling up middleweight punchers, I don't know if fucking Chris Weidman cracks the top five. You know what I'm saying? Like, he's not a puncher. You know what I mean? Like, it, look... He just he just doesn't have it anymore. He can't pull the trigger. I'm not debating. Just watch that. him. I don't. I don't. I'm not debating. I don't that understand. He's not the same guy he used to be. I'm not debating that. Yeah, I faded him. And he first really, really wants to be that guy. I, I faded him for he his really first wants to be for that a guy. reason. But why can't he win this particular matchup at this point? You know, even uh, he if can. he's a bit far gone. He can. That's what I'm saying. I'm man. not saying that. I'm, I'm Well, of course, but you can say that for anything. What, what we're really doing is adding up one thing versus the other thing and, seeing, and, and, and making your best guess. You know what I'm saying? Like, the best the, – the number one thing here is Anderson Silva does not have those reflexes anymore. He did because of those amazing reflexes at one point. He didn't learn fundamental defense. He learned a 100% reflex based defense. Since the reflexes are gone, the defense is gone. 
You know what I'm saying? It's only back up straight now. That is, that's not going to fucking cut it anymore. And if you're not going to back up, if you're not going to stop short and throw something, then all you're doing is getting chased into the cage over and over again. And that's when can, can Anderson Silva take a shot anymore? I don't fucking think so. Look, you know man. what I mean? Is Anderson Silva just fought it? Hold on. If Anderson Silva just fought at 205, he's old as shit. He's got to make a cut down to 185. Does he have that in him? Is he going to be okay with that? I mean, he's going to be we'll okay. See. Can, Look, can Anderson Sean, Silva? Hold on, man. What? Who, who, have you, who have you bet against Derek Bronson in his recent 5 5? Five, in his recent five fights. Who have I bet against him in? Yeah. Uriah Hall and, uh, Uriah Hall and, um, uh, Whitaker. I, I, you're, you're missing one. You're leaving one out. I didn't bet Alvy. What, what you said on the last podcast, you bet Alvy. No, I said I almost bet Alvy. Okay. I didn't bet Alvy. Well, why did you almost bet I said Alvey? that I said, I said, because his chin is just floating out. Well, I haven't even gotten to breaking down Brunson yet, so I can explain that part. We we know that I bet against him, but it, or excuse me, we know why we bet against him. Okay, because it's awful. The thing that he does is awful. The thing that he does, uh, you know, even when he wins with it, is fucking awful and dangerous. And that's what I was saying about the Alvy fight. Was I'm sitting there cringing, waiting for him to get knocked out because he's so obviously wide open to it. Here's the situation now. He did that. He got, let's even call it lucky. He got lucky to not get caught in the middle of those flurries that he puts on people. Um, and he did it a bunch of times. And, and he hits super hard. So when he catches you with that flurry, you're fucking hurting. Uh, and even when Whitaker beat him, he rung Whitaker's bell uh, numerous times, a couple times, at least twice. Um, now, at this situation, after that, I don't know how big of an idiot he is, but you'd have to be a gigantic idiot to go, okay, I, I'm not going to calm down with that strategy. This is my strategy forever for the rest of my career. I think that he says, okay, I'm going to use some of that, but I'm not going to do only that. I, I obviously have to temper this, this way of attacking I've been doing because I just did that and it got me in trouble, okay? That's a guess on my part. I am guessing that he is not going to do that, okay? Him guessing, or excuse me, me guessing that he's not going to do that leads me to get to, if, if he rushes in with those punches, I'm not completely sure that Anderson gets out of the way of one of those flurries. What I do think that happens, if he does get out of the way, his back is against the cage right there, they're chest to chest, I think he goes for takedowns. When he goes for takedowns, I think Anderson's fine with it. And I think Anderson lays there. And I think that Derek Brunson beats the piss out of him there. Anderson is probably tough enough to go to distance uh, on bottom getting beaten up over and over and over again, especially when Brunson gets tired late. Maybe he's not. Maybe he is. Um, but that's how I see it going. There's another dynamic at play here, which is Brunson has been around and fighting when Anderson was Anderson. And when you go into a fight with this guy, do you still respect him like he's Anderson, or do you understand that Anderson is gone? Do you, uh, how does that affect the fight? Because if it affects it in a way where Brunson goes, whoa, this is Anderson, take your time, and then all of a sudden he's standing at distance getting kicked, that's fucking terrible. 
he's going to get starched that way. If he says, I'm not fucking with Anderson striking, I'm getting in the clinch, and I'm dragging him to the fucking ground, and I'm beating the shit out of him. That's how I think this dynamic affects him. That's what I think he's going to do. I think he knows, no, I don't want to strike with Anderson Silva. I want to take Anderson Silva down. So I think that's how that plays out. Uh, Can Anderson Silva snipe him on the way in with something? Fucking absolutely. Can he jump knee him on, on the way in for a takedown? Absolutely. It's not a lock. It's not safe. But at minus 120, yeah, 3.6 units at minus 120. Yes. Because if, if Brunson fights smart and looks to wrestle, he's going to win this, and it's going to be easy. If he's not smart, he's still got a hell of a shot just to push Anderson into the cage and catch him with a big left hook, which he's super susceptible to, which Derek Brunson throws a super hard version of and just knocks him out cold and starts him. Historically, a reflex-based guy like this, when he gets slow and he gets old, it always ends the same way. Stiff as a board, really sad, with all his fans wishing that he won't come back and fight again. <laughs> that, that's how I see it here. And if you're on Anderson's side, the idea of taking a plus 140 or a plus 130, whatever it is now, is crazy to me. That's, there's... I don't see any value there whatsoever. I think you got to take him inside the distance. If he wins, he gets because he knocked Brunson out. You know what I'm saying? Like, if he doesn't, oh, I just said it. I caught myself. Um, if he wins, it's because he knocks him out. If this fight goes the distance, it's because he's on his back losing. You know what I'm saying? I feel like that's fairly obvious in this case. I just, the value is all on Brunson here coming off the knockout might even bolster my case a little bit. I'm looking for him to wrestle. I'm looking for him to dominate in top position uh, for as long as it takes. He's completely capable of doing that. He's completely capable of landing a bomb as well. I think Big the, money, Derek Brunson, let's go. I, I think talking about how you know Derek Brunson's going to come out with this smart game plan is almost... You know, I think it's a ridiculous argument because if you watch his fights, like I've mentioned already, he always looks to take people down. It's just that he's ended up knocking people out instead. You know, in that Whitaker fight, he was trying damn hard to take Whitaker down and he had zero success doing so. Now, I understand that Anderson Silva gave up the takedowns with zero effort against DC, you know, when he took the fight on two notice against a motherfucking Olympian wrestler. Once again, DC didn't pass. DC, you know, DC wasn't, you know, fucking him up badly. You know, he, he beat him, no doubt about that. But with Derek Brunson, man, he's going to fight how Derek Brunson fights. You know, if you're going to point back to the Lorenz Larkin fight, he still fought like that. He still got picked apart on his feet. Lorenz Larkin was too small to, to stuff those I don't agree. What do you mean? He, he was still running in with his with his fucking chin in the air, getting no. tagged on the feet. Here, here's the here's the Whitaker example. Um, look, when you are you are selling out to catch catch Whitaker with a bomb and knock him out. That's what you want to do. The idea of you're going to get a takedown was secondary. Uh, plan A punch, Plan B wrestle, maybe even Plan C wrestle. I'm talking about in this situation. Plan A wrestle, where you're not going to completely sell out. You're not going to just throw caution to the wind and throw every bomb in your arsenal at right. home run speed over and over again. I think plan A here is wrestle, partially because he just got knocked out, 
partially because he's fighting Anderson Silva. What I'm trying to say here is that I don't disagree with you about Plan A being wrestling. I'm I'm trying to say here is that when a fight starts on the feet, you, you don't just shoot for a takedown from a mile away. You set the takedown up. And the way that Derek Brunson sets his takedowns up is the way he set up his entire career. The reason he got knocked out by a guy like Jacare. The reason he got knocked out by Whitaker is because, I mean, look, even watch that fight with Hall that he won. Ten seconds into the fight, they're clinching, dude. This guy's always looking to clinch and take people down. It's just that he finds a way to separate and bomb on them. Whether he chooses to do that or Anderson, uh, on Anderson remains to be seen. But the bottom line is he's going to be going out there looking for that clinch. We can both agree with that. But what I'm trying to convey here is that when he sets up you know, his attempt to go to the clinch, he does what we've been talking about, leaving that chin up and, that hand, and the hands down. Anderson Silva has the most knockdowns in UFC history. He's a sniper. And still to this day, he's a sniper. I mean, knocked out, knocked out or knocked down the middleweight champion, hurt the light heavyweight champion. And, the, you know, the they, they were on a, you know, I would say the less of fortunate circumstances. You know, coming off a year layoff with Bisping with the whole... You know, Marcos from Thailand bullshit and still almost knocking out Bisming in England. And then also with DC taking it on two-day short notice versus the champ. The champ who fucking finishes everyone else. The, the champ that finished motherfucking Rumble Johnson. Anderson goes out there and took his ass whooping like a man. This is the kind of spot where he has a full training camp and he can go out there and make Derek Brunson pay. Now, obviously, like we've already talked about, we can talk about the BJ A Penn full angle. training camp is probably bad for him. Maybe it is, maybe it isn't. We can talk about the BJ Penn angle. We can t- well, I'll say this: a short camp wasn't any good for him because he lost. So let's see what he's got with a full tr- with a full training camp. But we can talk about the BJ Penn angle, the Sean, I mean the Chuck Liddell a- angle. But I don't think he's at that point. Yet. I think he's close to that point. But he's only been knocked out one time, bro. And he had to overcome some serious adversity to get to where he is now. I think now he's finally starting his groove to where he can knock out these guys like like. Derek Brunson. You know, I'm not saying he's going to be the champ and hold the belt, but I do think there's guys he can beat, and I think Brunson's one of them. So for that reason, Sean, I took the two-unit shot on Anderson Silva at plus 130. Fair enough. We will find out what happens. I mean, do you hear me at all, man? I mean, I hear you, but do you hear me? Yeah, I just don't agree with you. I just don't understand why why you're talking about how Derek Brunson set up sets up his shots. He basically wades forward like a dumbass and, and <laughs> hucks big punches until he ends up chest to chest just because he smothered himself. You know what I'm saying? There's nothing more equipped to fucking to to get eaten up by that by a guy who retreats, doesn't attack while he's doing it, and has no problem with going backwards directly into the cage. That's exactly what Derek Brunson wants you to do. <laughs> like, it, you know what I'm saying? Like, what do you, what else would you, he's not Whitaker. He's not going to step off to the side all of a sudden. This he's going to back up to the cage. He's not going to step up he's to gonna the side. He's going to back up to the cage because he wants to. He has certain tactics that he uses on the cage. I'm not talking about the DC fight. You know, for example, you know, you recall with Whitaker, like you were talking about, Whitaker likes to break off. You know, from the cage with Anderson, he, us- he uses uh, different methods. What he likes to do is utilize the tie clinch. And if you recall that Yushin Okami fight, where Yushin tried to implement a simple, uh, similar game plan, you know, push him up against the fence. 
Anderson was able to create separation in that clinch and throw devastating knees to the body. So, you know, I, I feel like, uh, but I mean, he still has those techniques, man. You know, it's just a matter of can he take the Brunson shots? You know, if he can, he can't. He took the DC shots, man. I mean, he's still a gamer. You know, I, I truly thought we had to close the book on him, but he's still a fucking gamer, man. I mean, it's just like Dan. No, it's not. Like, look, no, look, dude, with Dan Henderson versus, versus Hendo, we were all saying there's nothing left. He goes in there against fucking, against Hector, he knocks him stiff. And then he goes out there against Bisbing. People thought he arguably won. So, I mean, you can never count out these legends. Just like that legend we're going to bet on next week. In the Bisbing fight, he just sat there and just waited for this perfect time and just lost. Yeah, but here's the thing, Sean. Here's the thing, Sean. All All these devastating techniques that you're talking about, they all have one thing in common. You actually have to do them. Yeah, but let's make let, let, let's, let's make excuses. Doing them. Let's make excuses with Bisbing. Everyone. There's acts no like, excuses. Yeah, hold, what, on, hold, on, excuse, hold on, hold on, What excuse? With, with Bisbing, everyone acts like he's got pillow fist. So you know, you want to go around there and clown him with DC. He really had no choice. But with Derek, Derek's going to make you try to firefight. And that's where Anderson excels. You know, if Anderson's on his back for three rounds, hey, then I'm completely wrong. But, if, dude, if this is standing, Anderson's got the prime opportunity to put this dude out. You're telling me that Bisping didn't make Anderson fight? He made him fight, but, you know, to a different degree. The, the, all our criticism during right. the, my, my criticism during the, during the business during the Bisping fight was he's fucking around too much. Anderson's fucking around too much. That's what he always does. That's what he always does. He's going to do it again. He didn't fuck around he's against Nick Diaz. Around. He didn't fuck around against Nick Diaz, and he didn't fuck around against Chris Weidman the second time. He didn't fuck around against Nick Diaz because there's something wrong with Nick Diaz, and Nick Diaz didn't bring any pressure. He didn't fuck around against you know DC, the, but he had no choice. <laughs> What's that? I said he didn't fuck around against DC either, even though he had no choice. Oh, yeah. He didn't fuck around or right. He just laid there. <laughs> Missionary. Indeed. Took it in the indeed. Well, <laughs> hey, either you you're gonna lose three point six units, or I'm gonna lose two units, or you're gonna win how many units? Three. Or I'm gonna win two point six. So may the best man win. Let's go, Anderson. Let's do it. Let's not. <laughs> <laughs> so, Jermaine Duran to me is a minus one twenty five favorite over, oh. over Holly Holm now. Sean, when we were talking about this matchup, you know, I, I was asking you, you know, what, what do you think, man? You know, minus 200, minus 220, minus 250, you know, you know, something like that for Holly Holm. And then uh, it comes out, and the public shifted it to the point where Holly Holm is a plus 105 to Jermaine Durandamy's 125, Sean. Yeah, this is going to be a lot less interesting because we agree. You know what I mean? I wish we could argue again, but it's not going to happen. I oh, we'll, fi- we'll find a way. One. We'll find a way. Well, okay, we'll give it a shot. We can argue on the validity of women's kickboxing slash women's Muay Thai championships <laughs> and how I got one in my how I got one in my cereal box this morning. Um, you know, you are the one who told me that Holly Holm was uh, even money or yeah. I think that when you told me she was plus 100, I looked at this fight like I normally would. I understood this fight, and then I canceled the idea of betting on this fight because I'm not going 
uh, minus 180 or so on Holly Holm. Uh, when you told me that was that number, I ran and bet it. That's all I needed to that I didn't even bother looking at it again until that happened. I don't understand this number at all. I, I don't I don't remotely get it, okay? Let's just talk about Jermaine DiRondami. What GDR, so I don't fucking stumble over the name for the rest of this breakdown. She's shitty. She's not good. <laughs> she's got loss she's got losses. To horrible people. Her wins are over horrible people. I don't get it at all. I don't... You want to go watch her Muay Thai fights or her kickboxing matches? All these world 10 world titles? 40 billion fights or however million fights she's had? Go find them. And Good luck. To her credit, okay? she knocked no. out a dude. What's it? To yeah, her... an actor. Yeah. <laughs> an actor. Okay, <laughs> there you go. I could knock out an actor right now. I don't have any women's kickboxing championship. Um, she, she's not good. She's not good. And and those titles, like we were just talking about, go find those fights. You can't find those fights. The reason why you can't find those fights is because they're they're in front of 18 people in a fucking VFW hall or whatever the fuck they have over there where they don't normally have fights, and it was some weird sideshow attraction where the only people who bought tickets were her immediate family, and that's how these fights work. That's at the VFW Hall buys a belt and says this is for the fucking VFW Hall uh, championship of the universe. Here you go, GDR. This is your belt now. Oh, you've got ten of them. Wow, you're the best ever. All that shit is fake, completely disregarded. It means nothing. Um... Coming into this fight, the biggest dynamic about this fight, just talking about the fight itself, is you can't... Okay, Holly Holm, as we've seen, obviously has problems leading. I don't think she's so great at leading. Um, she waits too long. I think she's unsure of herself. Uh, sometimes she sits there and, and sits there and waits for a receipt after she lands something. I don't like any of that shit. The, the one thing that we can see from watching these girls' MMA fights is that GDR is going to come forward. And she's not fast. You know what I'm saying? She hits hard, but she's not especially dangerous. Her footwork is really plodding, really stuck in mud. If you come forward slowly and predictably against Holly Holm, I think she's just going to jab, grunt, and run and hit you with pitter-pats until you get tired, and then she'll start loading up and actually hitting you with things. Uh, as far as the puzzle pieces go, GDRs come forward like that versus Holly Holmes, uh, probably the best at, at sliding out, backing up, and attacking. And, and, well, in this division, that means fucking nothing. We'll say at 35. Um you know, that's a huge gap right there. That's a huge gap. And, and from everything that you can see, that's going to happen. Um, can GDR catch Holly Holm and knock her out? Yes. Is Holly Holm a little chinny? Yes. Uh, <laughs> For sure. Holly Holm's mental... Yeah, absolutely. If Holly Holm's mental state... Uh, it's tough to say. Because maybe Shevchenko just was way better than we think she is at that point. Um when the pressure was really on and she really needed to show up, 
she did, and she showed up huge. She showed up huge. She looked like a pro. Um, now, two losses in a row, gets gifted a brand-new division, gets gifted an instant title shot. So now her back's against the wall. She doesn't want to lose three times, but she's got a chance to erase all of that, completely make it all go away, and be the champion in this new division instantly. One shot against somebody who's 6-3, and three, who's never fucking beaten anybody who's never sniffed a main event unless it was at a VFW hall. And Holly Holm is still plus money. She's still the underdog in this situation. I don't, I don't understand that. To me, this looks like uh, maybe there'll be some tricky moments, but looks like a pretty easy victory for Holly Holm. I think she has everything she needs to do. I think she's contextually in the right spot. I think when she needs to show up, she'll show up. And uh, she's going to put a beating on, on GDR, wear her down, and uh, really start piling up on her late. Probably doesn't stop her, but really starts piling up on her late. And I, I love all the – I've been practicing my takedowns, my wrestling, my, my BJJ that she's been talking. I love that because it's even less dangerous for us if Holly Holm wants takedowns here. That would be great. I would love to see that instead. So, yes, uh, three units, Holly Holm. To win three units plus 100. The thing I love about this fight, Sean, is that GDR ain't a counter striker at all. Firstly, you know, nope. you know what I'm saying? And, um, dude, Holly Holmes about to be hitting and running. She's about to be doing that signature grunt and run all day. And also, what's up with GDR's ground game, dude? I mean, this is an MMA fight. I mean, people feel. Zero. People fail to realize that Holly Holmes has been working with Izzy Martinez on her wrestling for the last five years. So, I mean, you know, you know, her fights are close, but she still usually tends to win, except against you know the the future champ in Valentina, which there's you know there's no shame in losing to Valentina. Valentina is, is a once in a lifetime athlete, in my opinion. I mean, the the chick beat the the chick the chick beat. Joanna and Jacek three times in Muay Thai. You know what I'm fucking saying? She she outstruck Holly Holm for five rounds. She tapped probably out. on the undercard of GDR fights. <laughs> she 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 tapped out fucking Juliana Pena, and she and she's about to beat Nunez too. So, fucking Valentina is the real deal, my man. So I, I you know there's no there's no shame in losing that fight, and then losing the Misha Tate fight. Even though yeah, you know she did lose the Misha Tate. It kind of sucks. Amish Tate and GDR got nothing similar in terms of their games, man. I mean, GDR ain't about to take the back of uh, of Holly Holmes because she's getting outstruck. If Holly, if if GDR is getting outstruck, that's the end of the fight. Whereas if Holly Holm is getting outstruck, she has other avenues to win. I mean, we saw her take down Ronda Rousey. We saw her escape an armbar of Ronda Rousey. Not only does that show her abilities, but it shows her confidence and competence in that area. So the fact that she's willing to go in there and use that part of her game and she doesn't have an ego about, oh, I have to stand up with this person to prove a point. I mean, dude, and you're giving me that fucking plus 103 on it, man. I mean, look, if you're giving me minus 250, I'll sit back and pass, maybe consider a chance, uh, you know, the shot on Jermaine, but... You go back and you watch Jermaine's fights, even the ones where she knocks people out. Firstly, they're they're literally, I mean, they're beyond jobbers, man. I mean, they're literally the most hand-picked opponents you've ever seen in your life. And, like, 
You know, they're they're the kind of people that are, you know, I'm just happy to be here type thing. You know what I mean? I'm not actually going to, you know, try to take the person out. And uh, Jermaine just ran through them, man. And uh, this is a completely different fight. I feel like she's going to be chasing Holly all over the ring. And Holly might even kind of have a little bit of a GSP performance where, you know, when when Jermaine Durandamy is going in there and chasing her with big bombs, you know, Holly's going to poke and move. And then, you know, out of nowhere, she's going to time a blast double and, and, you know, rinse and repeat, that, that kind of thing. So I wouldn't be surprised if it went under four and a half, but, you know, I'm not going to bet it in a fight like this, Sean. So for me, I'm going to stick with the two units on Holly Holm. And, uh, you know, I, I, I think she's going to get it done. I think she's going to get it done, man. You know, the the experience she has against higher-level competition and the fact that Jermaine Durandamy is simply not well-rounded enough, and she's also coming off a serious layoff, Sean. I, I got to take yeah. that underdog shot. I'm very surprised by the press, my man. It should not be there. Whether we win or lose, Holly Holm should not be the underdog here, so you have to take advantage of that. Yeah, exactly. You know, I mean, she's someone I usually look to fade, and the reason that I look to fade her, you know, you know, among some of her, you know, deficiencies such as being a tiny bit chinny, which we all know, you know, is the fact that she usually is a very juiced favorite. You know, minus three hundred, minus three fifty. You know, stuff like that, right? It might have even been more in certain spots. You know, in Valentina, I mean, yeah. I, I bet on Valentina at plus three hundred five, just to just to you know put it like that. So in this spot, for her to be plus one hundred five. And for everyone to really, you know, not everyone counting her out, but I mean, from from a minus fucking four hundred to a minus to a plus one hundred five, you know, that says a lot about public perception in my mind, Sean. Because the line would have moved drastically if people hadn't lost their their faith in her, you know. Have you seen any GDR betters? Uh, when it first, I've seen plenty it, of people who. Are, when it first came out, when it first came out, I did. You know, when it first came out, people were like, "GDR is going to kill her," because we all had the mindset that Holly was going to be a minus two fifty in the spot. So, you know, when she ended up being fucking, you know, I think it opened like minus one ten, minus one ten, something like that. But now it's like plus one hundred five with a minus one twenty five on GDR, and it's and more money's coming in on GDR. So it's kind of interesting to see people's mindsets on it. And look, I know GDR's got an accomplished Muay Thai background. And Muay Thai is unbelievable. You know I love Muay Thai, bro. But Muay Thai and MMA are two completely different things. It's not even the same, man. I mean, you know Anthony Njikawani? He just fought on Lion Fights. And he absolutely destroyed this dude. But when it comes time to MMA and takedowns, <laughs> it's a completely different animal. So, you know, I, I don't you know. That, did you know that GDR has a job? Well, like, not, you mean aside from being like a... Martial arts instructor? Yeah. She has a job job. What does she do, man? I don't I don't remember. But she's not full time. Oh, so she's like uh Sweet. she's like our boy uh she has a job. Our boy Glover Teixeira? She's like how like Stipe was. Yeah, but Stipe is an American Or Stipe still is, I guess. Stipe is yeah. an American hero, man. Of course. I wish we could teleport a GDR better and, and grill him right now because I don't know any of them. <laughs> Watch her win, right? I don't understand. I mean, dude, fucking sure. She could totally, she could just land a bomb and get rid of her, right? That could happen. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? But, like, the long term battle, pay she's losing. And the full mixed martial arts so, package game, she's losing as well. 
Yeah, there's no way I'm putting a minus 125 on puncher's chance. I need fucking 400 puncher's chance. Come on. And I mean, don't anyway. don't get me wrong. I respect her technique. You know, I'm a Muay Thai lover. But the fact is, it's not like when you talk about a Muay Thai fighter, it's not like they only have one style. You know what I mean? She has one particular style of Muay Thai. I mean, there's the aggressive brawlers. There's the counter strikers. You know, when you talk about, you know, people like to use this, use the example that, well, Valentina Shevchenko was able to counter strike her for five rounds, even though. That's partially true. She did counter strike her when they were when they were on the feet. However, she did mix in takedowns. I think that's something people fail to realize that Valentina is a completely well rounded mixed martial artist, as you saw when she tapped out Juliana Pena. But in this spot, GDR doesn't have the takedowns to fall back on. It's simply a one way approach. So that's why I feel like Holly Holm has more avenues to win, Sean. Yeah, uh, much more, in my opinion. But again, we will find out. We will find out. And you know what else we're about to find out about? One that I am super intrigued, man. So, Randy Brown is minus 120, and Bilal Muhammad is plus 100. Now, when the fight first got announced, I was actually really leaning towards Randy Brown, but when I went back and watched the film, you know, I, I gotta say, man, he's come a long way, man. He, you know, he's he's kind of one of these green prospects, kind of like back when Neil Magny was first in the UFC and I kind of, you know, saw the potential, but you know, he's, he's going to take bumps in the roads here and there, but eventually he's going to reach his destination and he's just going to get better every single fight. And, you know, you know, who am I to criticize a fighter, right? But the things that I feel like Randy Brown needs to work on is that, you know, he does square up his stance a lot. And when you're a guy that that's that tall and has the kind of, you know, physical advantages that he has in terms of his reach, squaring up your stance is going to limit your reach. You know that firsthand, Sean. You're a boxing guy. I mean, dude, you, you can't be squaring up your stance like that, man. And I feel like once he gets that together, you know, he's going to be fucking... I mean, he might, he, he might be like uh, my boy Vic. He might be pip, uh, popping dudes' heads back with jabs and really starting to utilize his length. And if he, if he does that in this fight, he does have a good chance against Bilal. But the thing is, I think Bilal is more refined in his techniques. I think that Bilal has more ways to win. Well, firstly, let's talk about the standing. Randy Brown, I mean, don't get me wrong, he can put anyone out, man. And I'm not going to sit here and say, oh, he's athletic, he's this and that. I, I feel like the dude's a gamer, man. I mean, I, I feel like he's got that will to win. And it it's just very raw and very green. He needs to fix certain things. I mean, once again, I'm going to go right back to it. Stop squaring your stance, man. Start using your reach. Start start fighting like a tall man. And you're going to go very far in this sport. I mean, he's already got a great record. With Bilal Muhammad, we do have to say he's the more technical guy. you know. But there's some slight caveats. He could be fighting at 155 pounds there's no argument about it and i simply you know i truly believe that the reason he got caught in his last fight the, i mean the reason he got caught is because you know vicente caught him on the on the very end of a, of a punch and Bilal hadn't closed the distance properly so you know you can fix that by closing the distance properly but i feel like the chances of that happening are you know less likely if he's at 155 pounds now whether he can make it or not I'm not entirely sure. Bottom line, now he's fighting at 170. He's usually always competitive, minus, minus his last fight. 
has he taken too much damage? You know, the fight with Alan Juban, the three-round fight with Augusto Montano, and obviously the fight with Vicente Luque. Is he coming back too soon? Was he training the entire time? You know, these are some questions I want to know. But I do believe there is a path to victory for Bilal Muhammad here, and I truly believe he can win this fight. I'm not going to bet on it, but I'm going to pick Brown by a split decision. But it's not going to surprise me either way because... Once again, I do think Bilal Muhammad is the more technical guy and the more calm guy. It's just a matter of is he, if he's is he going to be able to close the distance with the improvements that Brown's been making in his game, Sean. Yeah, this is a this is a confusing one, man. Um, I'm I'm passing on a bet here because uh, you know contextually, I'm not quite sure what the hell's going on with Muhammad. Like. I, I was so sold on him versus Juban, or excuse me, Juban, I, I did bet Juban against him. I was so sold on that bet because of the circumstance of, of Ramadan and debut and all this stuff. Like, that's a lot to fucking overcome. And I was like, there's no way you're overcoming that against this grind vet. Juban, that's not going to happen. Um, and it didn't happen, but... It, that's probably the best he's looked so far. You know what I'm saying? Then he comes back against somebody he should, according to that first performance, just lay a drubbing on. That certainly didn't happen. He didn't look bad, but he didn't look good as good as he did against you, Ben. And then, then he gets clipped by somebody I don't think very highly of and, and gets knocked out. And like you said, this is a, you know this is a quick turnaround. He did just get knocked out uh, pretty hard. Uh, the Juban fight was was pretty rough. Man, it's it's tough to really tell where he's at. So this this like seems like odds are against him. But the last time the odds were against him, even worse, he showed up the best. So it's it's tough to tell what you're getting here. Uh, what this guy wants to do, and what was the problem against Juban is what he really wants to do is take small steps forward, slide forward and look pretty and basically box you and slip punches and get closer to you and box you. And then when he ends up close enough, he might work some wrestling. He might work some clinch game. He might try to take you down. Uh, he's pretty well-rounded. Um, the boxing for him in this is, is the biggest step. Randy Brown, on the other hand, hasn't shown much. To me, his stand-up game is like, uh, a more hesitant Algermain Sterling. Like, he's doing these things to do them. He's not really thinking. It's just he's doing what he's practiced over and over again. He's not doing it at the right time. Dude, uh, real quick. Does, he, he, you know, on, yeah, go on, on the topic of Sterling, he's almost kind of like an OSB <laughs> in, a, in a way, too, I feel like. Yeah, that that follows the same. Yes. It's the same category. It's like you have practiced this one, two, three combo or whatever, but I think the time to throw the one, two, three is not the thing that you practice very much. So it's like you'll throw it, but why did you throw it? You know what I mean? He doesn't think about that part of it. He hasn't looked, and he's so young, he's got plenty of time to fucking figure that out. But so far, 
he just looks like he's doing it to do it. It doesn't look right. It looks awkward. He looks uncomfortable. He does end up square. He does end up stepping forward with the wrong foot. He does end up, end up uh, with his feet next to each other at the end of a combo. All these wrong things. You know what I'm saying? That being said, uh, he's tagged people. You know, he's, he's landed some of these, these combos that he's thrown at the wrong time. He, he doesn't... He's not terrible. Uh, the wrestling didn't look great uh, at any point, really. And, you know, he pulled that last one, or the two ago, he pulled that completely out of his ass. Uh, I bet on him there, and I, I, it was looked like it was over already. Um, I like that. I, I love know. it when I guys just, do that because, you know, one thing that we forgot to bring up on the last episode of the show is – why did I always fade Pat Barry, Sean? Uh, he finds a way to lose. He always finds a way to lose. And with Randy Brown, the fact that he did that in that Montano fight, that shows me right there that long-term, this is a guy that's going to find a way to win. That's why, you know, despite his technical flaws, you know, he has that something else. And he's got that winner's vibe about him. This is just a very tough matchup. So, you know, I really think it's got split decision written all over it, and it's going to be very competitive back and yeah. forth. Both guys got a bright future, and I'm fucking pumped, bro. It should be fun. If I had to call an outcome on this fight, I think Bilal Muhammad, uh, Randy Brown waits too long, but Bilal Muhammad slides in underneath wide punches, lands his own peppering shots, eventually gets some takedowns, and basically sucks out three minutes out of every round and wins the decision, a close one. But uh, it's, it's tough to tell which Muhammad is going to show up or if we've even seen all the Muhammads that could show up yet. You know, there's a lot of Muhammads. That's a fact. <laughs> <laughs> and no one has ever seen him. But, dude, it's going to be really fucking interesting, man, because, I mean, once again, has he been training? What's he been up to? How's his mindset? I mean, he seems like a very mentally strong guy. And also, Vicente Luque is a completely different guy than Randy Brown. So, man, I, I, I can't fucking wait for that fight. I mean, that's definitely got to be one of your fights to watch. You know, we should start doing a main card fight to watch and a prelim fight to watch. Because, I mean, you know, there's so many damn good fights on this card. But another good one is Wilson Hayes. He's minus 600. The comeback on Ulka Sasaki is plus 450. Now, Sean... I got a bet on this fight, and it's not the underdog, Olka Sasaki. And I'll tell you what that bet is here in a second, but basically what I think about this fight is, well, just a little fact. Olka Sasaki's last nine fights all ended under two and a half rounds, Sean. And uh, the under two and a half in this spot is plus 125. So I, I got two units on that. But as far as the, the matchup is concerned, I feel that Wilson Hayes, I feel like he's in his prime right now. And, you know, he had that title shot, but, you know, he had the letdown spot in Atlanta, Georgia, and then he goes out there and absolutely destroys the guy in the first round. And it wasn't some scrub. You know, that guy, Hector Sandoval, he came back in his next fight, and uh, I forgot who he fought, but he absolutely destroyed him. So... You know, for Wilson Hayes, I mean, that blast double, dude, like, that, that, that was some serious high-level shit. And then also, you, you recall that body kick he landed on Scott Jorgensen. I mean, 
you know, you can hear the crack. Like, it, it makes you cringe when you hear that body kick. And with Olka Sasaki, you know, this, you know, this is the funny story. So, I've never lost more on a single fighter than Olka Sasaki. So, in his UFC debut. Really? Yeah. So, in his UFC debut, and this is like, you know, my first year on Best Fight Picks, right? So, like... His so his first fight, I think he goes in there against Roland Delorme, and he absolutely starches him in a way like he just beat the fuck out of him. But it was like you know like one minute ninety seconds, you know one one excuse me, one minute like uh, fifty seconds type fight. Like he just fucking just went out there and steamrolled him type thing. So I was like, dude, like who is this kid, right? And then he goes out there against Leandro Issa, and I fucking put like fucking 10 units on him and just like the stupidest fucking shit and like he goes out there and gets choked out in the second round right and then <laughs> and then uh his next fight against taylor lapalus i mean you know he's got nothing left after the first round he's the kind of guy that he's gonna try his best to take your back to try to choke you out but you start hitting him with some hard shots and just like I mentioned in the Jim Miller fight, even though he's nowhere near Jim Le Jim Miller's level, he will start shooting for the desperate takedowns. And you shoot for a desperate takedown against a guy like Wilson Hayes, I mean, it's either going to be a guillotine, it's either going to be a snap down to take your back to get the hooks in to choke you out. I, you know, it, it's just bad news. But let's say that it's not Olka Sasaki who's initiating the grappling exchanges or just the action in general. Wilson Hayes has a nasty black blast double. He has a very, very sneaky way of taking your back. And uh, he, he gets your back, he's going to choke you out. I mean, this guy's a high-level black belt. And I really thought that he reached a turning point when he fought Dustin Ortiz. I mean, one does not simply grown man Dustin Ortiz. I mean, that was a fucking statement. And, you know, we're going to talk about my under two and a half here in a sec. Now, I understand that his fights against Formiga and Dustin Ortiz went over two and a half but i mean i feel like those are top five guys sean i mean it is what it is you know you're gonna go to the you're gonna you're gonna go the distance with tough guys like that but win or lose olka sasaki's last nine fights in a row have gone under two and a half rounds and there's a reason for that because you know it's all or nothing for him it's go big or go home it's just like with uh these gamblers that you know they try to put, you know, fucking 10 to 20 bets a card. It's go big or go home. Whereas I'm trying to get these victories like fucking Benson Henderson by the skin of my teeth, whether it's a controversial DQ, no, excuse me, controversial split decision, a DQ, a fucking bullshit decision. I, I don't give a fuck, man. I want a W by any means necessary. And what I think is going to happen is, at, you know, under two and a half rounds at plus 125, I think that Wilson Hayes is going to take down Sasaki they're going to be engaged in the clinch probably within the first minute. He's going to take him down. He's going to overpower him. He's going to take his back, and I think he's choke, He's going to choke him out. I do not believe that Olka Sasaki can fight off the chokes for three rounds. So for that reason, I have two units on the under two and a half at plus 125. And I also think that Wilson Hayes is one or two fights away from a title shot. Yeah, you're probably right. I... I don't have a, a bet on this fight. I, Oka Sasaki was going to go in my round robin, uh, which is always the most dangerous darts ever. Um, this this time, the round robin is going to be, at, at, at the bare minimum, half as safe as possible instead. Um, 
I have a feeling that Wilson Hayes is going to fall off the cliff at any second. I think that Olka Sasaki is a super slick grappler. Um, the idea that, you know, okay, Olka Sasaki is probably going to get squished by, by Wilson Hayes. He's probably is going to get finished. The reason why I don't like the under is in the circumstance where Olka Sasaki sees that he is outgunned in that manner and then switches to only caring about defending for the whole rest of the fight. I see something like that possible. Yeah, but here's uh, the thing, Sean. Here's the thing with that. Yeah. He's not tough enough to take that ass whooping. He's he's a, he's a look for the he's door pretty guy. Slick. He, he's a front Yeah, he's pretty slick when he's offensive. He's not pretty slick defensively. He's a he like I said, he's a go big or a go home. He's either going to go out there and finish you in devastating fashion or, you know, all right, well, I guess I got to, you know, take my paycheck and leave. So, I don't really see him, you know, fighting tough and fighting all the chokes. Like I think like once it's over, it's over. Yeah, I, I understand that. I just, the reason why I, you know, I hope you, I don't have a, you know, a horse in this race. I hope you win. I just, you know, it could easily be uh, two minutes of, of pausing, you know, one minute of standing where nothing happens, two minutes of, of pausing and not trying to get your back taken and squishing your back up against the cage so he can't get his foot behind you, and then another two minutes of hand fighting. Uh, that situation times three, where nobody's really in danger the whole time. That that could happen. That's why I didn't play this. Um, I feel you, man. I just feel like you're, you're yeah. He's too weak, you're probably, man. You're he's probably too fucking right. weak, man. Like I, I, if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. But I, I feel like Sasaki's too weak, and you know he let me down for that very reason. You know, it's not just my bitterness towards what happened that other time. That's not what it's about at all, man. Because I thought about betting him against Willie Gates. It's just that in this spot, man, Wilson's a little tank. I mean, you saw that Dustin Ortiz fight, man. The way he grown man. Yeah, he squished him. Like, dude, if you grown man a guy like that, and you know know how how tough Dustin Ortiz is. I mean, Dustin Ortiz, the guy, he beat Justin Scoggins. He beat beat John Moraga. He beat Zach Makovsky. Dustin Ortiz is a tough out. So, in this spot, man, we've seen Sasaki fold more than once. And we've also seen him finish a fight very early. That's why, you know, nine fights in a row. Hence, hence nine, nine fights in a row, under two and a half. That's why I think Wilson Hayes can go out there and break him. And, hey, if Wilson Hayes gets, gets caught, which he has been, you know, you know, he has been a tiny bit chinny in the past, I'll take that too. But most likely, the minus 600 favorite is going to finish the fight in, in the under. I'm, I'm hoping, Sean. Well, you know, I agree, and I hope that happens, too. One one side note about this fight is, uh, you know, if Holly Holm loses, fuck it, I was wrong. If Derek Brunson gets knocked out, fuck it, I was wrong. If Olka Sasaki wins, and I did not bet him because I replaced him with something else, I'm going to be really fucking pissed. So just know that if you watch Olka Sasaki win this fight, that I'm in my house breaking something. Where I never care if I lose, but that when I didn't bet it on purpose, even though I want to, oh, yuck! I hate myself for like three days. So let's not let's not have it. I hope that that Wilson Hayes taps him in five point three seconds. That's what I'm rooting for now. I just I can't. He can't win because I didn't bet him. So we don't want that. So good luck to you. Thank you very much, my friend. 
Islam Makachev. He's minus 260. The comeback on Nick Lentz is plus 220. Now, you know, I, I think Islam's going to win. You know, younger, fresher. His grappling chops might be on a higher level just in terms of he's able to use his athleticism. And, I mean, obviously, you know how these Russians are. But here's the question. Nick Lentz, he's a savvy vet, you know. He's got a lot of good wins under his belt. He's been in the UFC forever. He's fought everybody. Is he, you know, you know when uh, when Cub Swanson fought Duho Choi, Cub Swanson was like a plus 190, plus 220. He was an underdog. Right here, Nick Lentz is a plus 220 under against Islam. Is he worth that shot, or is uh, Makhachev really going to go out there and just be too, no. be too big and, you know, be too Russian for him? I, I bet the over here, um, and it's the, the ingredients that went into me betting the, the over could, you could add a pinch of this and a dash of that and be right at Lentz winning. You know what I'm saying? It's like the, that thought of Lentz winning and my thoughts on the over are like the same thoughts. I just don't know if he, if he can get a 29-28 when all is said and done. Nick Lentz is the veteraniest of the veterans. Like, he's been, like you said, been through some rough spots, man. Been hurt. Uh, been considerably down and come back. Uh, he's seen a lot of different styles out of people. Um, man, really goes after you aggressively and doggedly and, and tenaciously. Like, he really can impose his game on a lot of people. Um, he's getting a bit long in the tooth. Uh, striking defense has and probably always will be a bit yuck. Uh, that can be a problem here. The problem with uh, my handkerchief is we don't really know what he's all about. He, You know, until that Martins fight, you're like, ooh, and then you see that, and that's a vulnerability that's completely different from this fight. But it's like, where does he go now? Did we? Did is he what we thought he was? The Wade fight, there was plenty of instances where Wade got to where he wanted to be, you know, semi easily. Uh, a handkerchief had a problem getting back up and, and getting the position that he wanted, and that happened uh, a couple of times in that fight. Uh, if Lentz gets him there, can he get up with Lentz on top of him? I'm not sold on that. Um, If he does, or if he gets Lentz down and stays on top, he'll win. If the fight stays standing for the majority of time, I think he'll decision Lentz that way, too. But don't be surprised if if Lentz can stay on top for 3-plus, or Lentz backpacks him for 3-plus of every round, like or of some of the rounds enough to, to squeeze it out. Either way, I think this is a grappling fest. I think there's a lot of, you know, struggles for, for underhooks and a lot of head position battling and, and, a, and a lot of, uh, you know, those slow kind of scrap, uh, sloppy scrambles that, that start to happen in lens fights. I think this goes the distance. Uh, I'm not quite sold on who wins, but... Man, as far as picking a dog on this card, you can do a lot worse than picking Lentz. I'll tell you that. You could be picking Boach like I am. <laughs> yeah, that's true. You could do a lot worse, huh? But yeah, no, I, you know, I don't think Lentz is going to win because I do think that you know they have the same style, but Mah- Mahachev is, 
you know, he, he, he's he's more physically stronger, but at the same time, he's a lot greener. I feel like he's a slightly more, you know, unseasoned version of a Rustam Habilov. You know, it's, it's that kind of thing. So, I, I think he's going to get it done, but I wouldn't be surprised, you know, for the upset. But the thing with Lentz is, man, if you hear his interviews, man, he fucked his body up with all the weight cuts to... To 145, and you know he's just, he's just not the same guy. He's not performing at the optimal level. So we got to see if his skills are going to carry him through here. So you know, no bet, but uh, I'm going to go with uh, I'm going to go with the Russian. Now Ian McCall is minus two, minus 110, and Jared Brooks is also minus 110. Now Sean, last time Ian McCall was going to fight, you know he's had three opponents pull out on him at the 11th hour, but. Last time he was going to fight, you know, he's going to go in there against Neil Seary in Ireland. Mm, yeah, and you had a big yeah. bet on Neil Seary. I and know. I know that there's a reasoning why you had that big bet. Now, we got a guy in Jared Brooks who, word on the street is, this motherfucker could fight a weight class below 125. So, I got to ask you, are you licking your chops or are you staying away? No, I really hate that this has happened. Um, you know, I'm not even going to go into the reasons why I was salivating over Neil Siri in Ireland versus McCall. Everybody knows it. Everybody knows that he's broke. Everybody knows, broke as in body-wise. Uh, probably monetarily broke. You never know. Um, and, and the peaking and then no fight and then a peak and a no fight and a peak and a no fight. I, I couldn't not go big on Siri in that situation especially in Ireland. As soon as it moved out of Ireland, I'm like, fuck that, I'm still betting Siri, but just not as much. And then that fell apart too, and now this is the fight, and I'm, I'm looking at Brooks, and I'm like, fuck, I'm not sold on this guy. I'm going to miss my, my thing that I've been waiting for, for McCall to come back and fade him, and now it's not going to happen. I watched Brooks. You know, Brooks, he's like the, the, the first honorary UFC Adam Waite champion. You know what I'm saying? The guy is, is tiny. It's a problem, man. Like, he's too small. He hasn't fought anybody. It's fucking hilarious. It's, it's, not, it's not great. It's not a great spot. It, it's not as good as the series spot. But I still think the things that are wrong with McCall are still wrong. And if this kid can come out and look good in his debut and work some, some young guy shit on McCall, and McCall just can't move his hip, his groin, his elbow, his hand, his shoulder, his fucking neck is like one giant disc that's all fused together. Like, I don't know what's wrong. Everything's wrong with him. Um, yes, I am still going to do it. And I don't know if it's just out of stubbornness because I've been waiting to do it for so long. I'm going to wait for the decision prop to come out because I don't think this Brooks kid is... is finishing Ian McCall. He's still tough as shit, regardless of what's wrong with him. But, you know, I'm not sold on on a, a super veteran-y catch-your-takedown and, and guillotine you. That's that's just too possible just to, to take Brooks at that current number straight. So he's going into the round robin by decision. I'll get some extra value out of it that way. Uh, simply just not to to let the fade McCall and his final return go to waste. I just got to do it anyway. Yeah, I mean, if Brooks was like plus 250, plus 300, then we, we, we'd, be yeah, making, all over it. we'd be making other talks. But 
in, in this spot, even though McCall hasn't fought in literally forever, and it's going to be such a letdown to have cut weight on three separate occasions, and now on the fourth, and who knows if the fight's even going to happen, right? You know, so I, I don't know how he's yeah. feeling, but, you know, skills-wise, he is better than Jared Brooks. Uh, you know, I, I really have no idea what's going to happen. I mean, it's either one or two things. Either the veteran experience is going to take over, or it's going to be that new young blood coming in. So one or the other. You yeah. Know, if you, do, you know how, do you know how many fights Ian McCall has had canceled? Yeah, like uh, four or five. No. You're way off, Daniel. It's 6,415. <laughs> I looked it up. That's a fact. <laughs> yeah, dude. I, I, can't, I can't not do it. I have to do it. That's fucking hilarious. Um, all right. Well, uh, Hong Zhu Gao is plus 225, and Ryan LaFleur is, oh. is minus 265, and... I mean, I don't have a strong opinion except, like, you know I got to root for the ATL boy, Brazilians, you know, Brazil's own Hone Carnero, plus 225. Uh, I mean, you know, I'm not going to bet on it just because I understand Ryan LaFleur is the younger, more athletic guy, but where the fuck's Ryan LaFleur training at? Is he, is, in, is he in New York with, you know, fucking Bermudez and all those guys, or is he down in Florida with the now not you know functioning Black Zillions? Like where the fuck does he train? And also, you know, I get that he's this wrestler, but let's not act like he wasn't out wrestled for like four rounds against Maya. I get that it's Maya, but just saying, you know, I'm not sure if he's a D1 wrestler, so I'm not gonna talk out of my ass. But I will say that he is a credential credentialed wrestler, and he got wrestled. For, for four straight rounds, so, you know, he's not perfect, and uh, with Honju Kao, you make a mistake on the ground, or even on the feet, this guy's a vet, I mean, Honju Kao's a guy that fought Anderson Silva in his third pro fight, and he's been around the block, and he fought three men on one night a couple years ago, you know, he's a real badass OG of ATL, I'm biased, so, that, you know, for that reason, I'm not betting on it, but, yeah, you know, I'm gonna bet, I'm, I'm gonna go for the, for the underdog, Honju Kao Carnero, and he's going to, you know, because Ryan LaFleur, you know, you'd expect him to go out there and play it safe, and then in that fight with Mike Pierce, he stands and bangs and gives you a heart attack if you bet the over in that fight. So, you know, I, I don't really trust Ryan LaFleur to fight smart. I'm going to go with Honju Kao Carnero. Yeah, I I hate to shit on your hometown guy, um, your buddy there, but I'm, I'm going to shit on him just a little bit. I don't think he's very good. I think he, you know, another guy who's completely missed the window. Um, he definitely has skills on the ground. There's nothing going on standing up whatsoever. And then if you want to grab him and outpower him while he's trying to do fancy jiu-jitsu stuff to you, you just do that. And he just sits there and goes, well, well, fuck, you're doing that. I can't do anything about it. Um, Ryan LaFleur is another guy that I don't like. Uh, inconsistent, uh, dummy, capital D. Um, the only interest, you know, obviously no bet here. I think Ryan, Ryan LaFleur wins it on top. The only reason, the only thing about this fight is that this over was almost uh, the replacement for the over in the, the, length, the length in my handkerchief fight. The reason why I didn't use this over is because Ryan LaFleur's striking in his last fight seemed to take a, a pretty decent-sized jump. 
if he's mysteriously been gone this whole time and he's been working on that and then it comes back even better, which is a definite possibility, he could probably get rid of Jukau. So that's why I didn't bet this over. Uh, but most likely he gets, a, you know, at least a 29-28 out of this. Fair enough. Falsely. So you're gonna you're gonna bet the the Juca points handicap if it's plus money. No, I'm not touching this one. I'm not touching this one either because when it's a thirty twenty seven, I'm gonna be really pissed off. But anyways, Rick Glenn is minus two hundred and Felipe Novers plus one seventy. One compliment or you know positive thing I gotta say about Felipe Nover is. That dude's body kick is fucking hard. <laughs> I'll tell you that right now because yeah. I, I bet against this guy. He's got good hair. <laughs> when, when he fought uh, Zubera Tukhugov, and, you know, even though I have no idea how that was a split decision, that body kick, you know, oh, man, I always talk about those body kicks. You fucking cringe when you hear the, the sound on those body kicks. So props to him for that. And, you know, I don't know how he feels mentally if, you know, he has a consolation prize. Hey, I went all three rounds with, with Hendon Burrow, or, or if he's actually disappointed that he didn't go out there and win. I, I'm not really sure. I, I'm inclined to believe that he's kind of a journeyman because, you know, he's got uh, he's got another job, and, you know, he's a male nurse, and, you know, he's doing this because he's one of those dudes that, you know, he, unlike Klitschko, who, like, is a doctor and a world champion, Felipe is not quite a world champion, but he's still one of those badass dudes that's just, like, kind of good at everything he does type thing, a jack of all... Hold on a second. Are, are you saying that this guy is not the next GSP? <laughs> yeah, he's... he's, 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 he's Remember he's, that. <laughs> yeah, he's not the next Anderson Silva. Don't worry. So, but but, no, but, but as, a, as a person that, like, you would hang out with or whatever, it'd be pretty cool if you had a friend that, like, is a fucking, like, doctor's assistant and a fucking pro fighter like going down to brazil and fighting hen and brow yeah even though he lost as fans you know we're like oh he sucks or whatever but as someone that if you knew him it'd be pretty cool to have a friend that you know went down to brazil to fight brow and then comes back and helps kids so he's a pretty cool guy but in terms of betting on him i highly recommend you don't bet on him because with rick glenn this guy is a scrappy vet man and i you know now he's dropping 145 pounds which i think is his right you know his rightful weight class, and he, he's the kind of guy that he overwhelms people with his pressure, and he makes people quit on multiple occasions. He made Georgie Karakanian quit. He made Johnny Case quit. He's made countless of guys not answer the bell or tap to strikes. You know he's very very tough. So you know at the same time he's got one of the tall skinny frames. So you know don't go down to a liver kick, right? But I think the long term battle is won by Rick Glenn. So for that reason, I'm going to pick him by unanimous decision here, Sean. Yeah, here's your other realistic dog-on-the-card shot that you could take, I think. Um, you know, as veteran and as gritty and as, you know, kind of uh, been around forever as Rick Glenn has been, I think overall, you know, his best win is probably Georgie. Uh, and I think... Overall, the Nover has probably fought the better guys. I think that Nover is technically better. I think he's faster. I think he's sharper. Um, 
can he not break under Glenn's pressure? Could he just fight his game for three rounds and frustrate the shit out of Glenn? Yeah. At plus 170, it's it's right on the cusp of taking a swing at that. Um, I would not be surprised if, if Rickland did impose the game plan, eventually get to him, and take him down 53 trillion times and win the fight that way. So, uh, you know, I'm going to lay off, but as far as, like, say, like, Toutmaster goes or something, I'll, I'll pick Nova. Interesting. Well, Sean... We got to talk about the fight to watch and the fighter to watch. The Sean Carey tattoo, the fight to watch for UFC 208. Fight to watch is Anderson versus Brunson, of course. Like, how how more dramatic could it get than this? Anybody could just fall over dead at any moment. Uh, it could be a three-round grind fest where you fall asleep and wake up later. It could be uh, a jumping, flying knee where somebody gets taken out on a stretcher. It could be a huge left hook up against the cage where you get to see a legend go face down and, and never see him again after that. Any of these things could happen. Any of these things could happen in a flash. It, you know, it, as far as fun factor on this fight goes, that's, that's the one to watch. Yeah, dude, I couldn't agree with you more because, I mean... With Anderson Silva, I mean, it's either going to be one of those situations where, you know, we start to enter BJ Penn or Chuck Liddell territory, or it's going to be one of those things where, like, you know, remember with BJ Penn versus Tim Bosch, where, excuse me, with um, Dan Hendo versus Tim Bosch, where everyone was counting out Dan Hendo, and then he goes out there and knocks him out in, like, 28 Oh, yeah. Don't be, uh, don't be counting out uh, the spider here. But, dude. No, already counted out. The fighter to watch. Who's the fighter to watch? I will go with Jared Brooks, the the official first UFC Adam Weight champion. Um, here's the thing: in in the right circumstances, we're gonna have it's it's a pretty light division. You know what I'm saying? Not the deepest shit in the world. Not quite light heavyweight, but you know maybe next in line to that. Um, you could have a highly touted, uh, super, maybe padded, maybe not, super glossy record kid come in out of nowhere on short notice, even though he was getting ready for a big fight anyway, come in short notice against a, what kind of qualifies as far as this division goes, against a huge name, and this huge name could be absolutely ripe to just look like shit against anybody that he fought. And, and 